All right, everybody, we are live back with Bearded Drums, back on our regular schedule this week. This is the big episode 10 we have been waiting for. We told you we wanted to get about 10 under our belt before we started bringing on guests. We got the proper equipment in, and now we are here live today with our very special guest, Mr. Derek Fountain, one of the original, I'm not not one of the original, the original legacy member of Bearded Drums and founding partner of Bearded Drums. So thank you, Derek, for joining us today. I know you had to rush over after getting, uh, you know, one of the, you know. One of the house house tasks done, so right. I'm glad you're here. And of course, always with us is Mr. Jarrett, who just made it today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like seconds. I thought I was going to be late. Seconds yeah. before we started, Jarrett came in. Um, so you might notice we have a little bit different of a setup today. I think I've got you guys squared up pretty good here in the camera. And all the audio should be working perfectly if there is anything that needs to be adjusted Please let Jarrett know in the comments, but I'm listening right now on my headphones and y'all sound pretty, uh, pretty, pretty even level. So good deal. So we are here. Thank you for all of us that are joining today. Like I said, we are back on regular schedule after quite a hectic week last week, but now we're back regular schedule. And like I said, today is our very first guest. We're going to be doing this. Uh, I don't know. Jarrett and I talked about maybe every other episode, uh, once a month, depending upon, you know, who's available. But we now got the the third spot open, and we'll be bringing on special guests. Thank you to, well, of course, number one, thank you to Mr. Watson, our patron of this show. And now we have to start thanking um, Watson's best friend, Daniel Johnson, who is the second patron of the show, who the gear he purchased from me allowed us to set up the third base spot, get the mic off for that. So thank you to those guys. We'd like to thank them all the time. Uh, this would not be possible without their patronage and their financial support. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you as always. And as usual, just housekeeping for the week. Remember that Bearded Drums obviously here is live every third, well, hopefully every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. But you can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, just simply search Bearded Drums. So, to get started for the week, uh, number one, obviously, thank you, Derek, for thank you for having me, taking the time to join us. Fancy intro there. I felt like you needed some music. Like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we get better every it's week. It gets on. a little more. We, we yeah. try to step it up every week. Yeah. Um, so, but thank you for coming on. And and if, like I said, I tried to give you a short intro in there in, be, in the beginning. If anybody doesn't know, when I started Bearded Drums, however many, three or four years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, I know. Um, Seems like the other week. (laughs) I was using, I didn't even have a good phone yet. I was using my iPad. And at that time, I was sharing the videos to YouTube, but also putting them up on Facebook. I think I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, and you saw it on Facebook. And we've always been good friends. But after you left, which we'll get to later in the show, after you left Pinkston's, I didn't see you that much. You had started a new job. I think you were doing wedding photography professionally at that point. Probably. I really well, this don't was remember. Before, I know this was before you went to the community college. Mm. Um, so I think, weren't you just doing weddings at that point? You, you know, we took a stab at real estate for a minute. Ooh. 
And that was just as it wasn't for me. Well, I thought, you know, being a salesman, but it's a different, it's a whole different. Yeah. Um, but at least from what I knew you were doing professional wedding photography. I was working on the photography thing and doing stuff with, um, Scott Henson on the backline thing. Um, but I didn't get to see you that much because obviously the music store had closed. So, um, I put the fir- either the first or second video up on Facebook just right. to share it and get some traction. And Derek messaged me, and he was like, hey, man, <laughs> I love what you're doing. Let me help you out. And I thought, you know, at that point, I was just like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know anything about lighting. I don't know anything about audio. And then here comes Derek, and he's like... <laughs> I know everything, but I, you know, but I know all of this stuff. Let me help you out. And I was like, sure. Right. And then you can actually go back and see the progression from the iPad to getting the phone. Right. And then getting the little sure mic that hooks into the phone. So then I had pretty good audio. Then we're playing with lighting and I bought a couple little right. well, no, you had lights. The lights that you you normally uh, would play with live. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we hooked those up and they we had them like white, but they weren't really white. But it worked, though, you know, it was and it, it was, was like, good. yeah, it's like it was a wide shot. And then it got the close in shot by the drums, by the hi hat. And, and you started teaching me all yeah. of, you know, this is you got to have backlighting. You got to have a key right. light, a fill light, blah, blah, blah. So Derek was instrumental in was a lot of fun. building this channel every every turn. Every, you know, every step up, like, okay, well, now we're at iMovie. Okay, do this, this, and this. Okay, right. now we're with a real camera. Oh, well, now you got to hey, learn. Hey, I watched the episode. You said this a lot that time. Can, don't yeah, say yeah, that correcting my, my audio <laughs> pat or my speech patterns, everything. So, and that's still to this day when I do have little questions. I think I called you Monday or Tuesday, and I was right. like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Right, and it's always good just to bounce stuff off of them. Yeah, which I folks, do to Jared. Yeah. You know, I've got yeah. you, so I've got a good source of, you know, opinion to bounce things off of so Derek not only is instrumental in this channel building this channel he is a wonderful professional musician he is a guitar guitar player by trade he is an extremely talented professional photographer slash videographer who has basically um, you know correct me if I'm wrong has worked your way up from the bottom yeah pretty much amateur enthusiast Mm -hmm. to wedding photographer then you yeah. stepped up to working for the the local community college system, right. and now you are the head photographer for Ingalls yeah. uh, Shipbuilding. Well, I wouldn't say head because there is a manager there. Yeah, yeah, but they're terrible. So, well, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. I'm I'm talking about <laughs> not as management, but as oh, okay, photographer you you being you know up to date, the most you know like right. with, with I don't the, want to knock anybody though. But but in my opinion, I've seen oh, okay. your work. With the forefront of videography and right. staying on top of the current stuff, <laughs> you, in my opinion, are what kind of took them up a well, level and, and, and really sharpened up. So he is, let's call it the head photographer for a major <laughs> shipbuilding system. Uh, Ingalls, Ingalls, what uh, is the second title? Ingles. Oh, it's, it's just shipbuilding. Oh, okay, I thought there yeah. was like Ingalls. Well, they're, they're like a division, of the Huntington Ingalls. Yeah, Huntington Huntington Ingalls, which is a major shipbuilder. Right, um, a lot of employees and stuff. Derek it's, does. It's, it's pretty cool. Cool things like he gets to hang out of helicopters. That is super cool. Yeah. And take take <clears throat> video and pictures of battleships as they circle. Um, so, uh, cool. all of that. Professional musician, professional photographer. Uh, the OG legacy member of Bearded Drums, so we thought that he would be the perfect person to bring on as our special first guest. And not only that, Derek ran the local music store for how many years? Oh, I started in 95, like part-time, and then full-time, I think, in like 98. 
So and then left in 2014. To, okay, well, six, so, 16. I mean, I think I really started kind of running like right before Katrina, maybe two, 01 or 02 or So about like 15 or, or 16 years. Yeah. And this was the, this was the, you know, you always have a bunch of music stores it's in cool most cities. This store. was the cool music store. This was the one you could hang out all day. Right. You could, you know, just shoot the shit with everybody all day long, talk gear. You weren't pressured to buy anything. Um, I remember at one point there Well, it were, just depends on who you talk to, whether you're true. pressured to buy or anything. <laughs> I remember back in the day when you Jim, could do God this. Jim, God bless him. Um, there were ashtrays scattered all around the right. store. That's how long ago. I worry about secondhand cancer as I get older, you know. <laughs> I was like, I was exposed to a lot of secondhand smoke back in those days. So, you know, with all of that experience, Derek... Uh, unlike a lot of musicians that play other instruments, actually knows quite a bit about drumming, about drums, tuning drums, about good brands versus okay brands of drums. So They'll have to test me tonight because well, i got to see I if mean, I can pull everything out of the memory banks. That's right why I brought you on because you actually have some good opinions on drumming and drummers and drums. So right. I, I don't and think... And I'm secretly, I kind of want to be a wannabe closet drummer. Like I've always <laughs> wanted to be a drummer, but it's just... Yeah, you know, I play a beat to save my life. But well, who doesn't want to yeah. be? I mean, that's, that's the most, are, it's the most cool. fun. You can instrument. Beat on stuff. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean. So that is going to be our topic today uh, with Mr. Derek Fountain is what it's like working in, in a music store, all the things that kind of go into it, dealing with drummers in music stores, and also being that he is a professional <laughs> musician that I gigged with for at least two or three years back in yeah. the day. Um, you know, what are some of maybe his pets and peeves? Or things that you know he likes or does not like drummers to do, you know that we can all learn about while being on the gig. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. After we get all, and we have so much housekeeping to do today. Yeah. We missed last week. Yep. Uh, I actually am gigging again. Oh, that's a good uh, thing. It's only a year oh, yeah. later that now I'm actually <laughs> back to regular gigging schedule. Um, so that kind of threw us off last week, and that's why I went live twice. Last week, I felt bad that I, we couldn't do our show, and I didn't want to do the thing that we did the other time where we went live on a Monday, because even though most of y'all were here, we did miss some people, and some people even said that they could only hang out for about five minutes, and they had to go, so I didn't want to do that, so I thought, well, I'll just go live from the gig. It's a huge gig, and that'll at least give something for the week. Yeah. Um, but it was a very busy weekend. It was a bit is a busy week. I think you had a busy week at work. Yeah, casino life was wild. Well, last with week. spring break going yeah. on, and we have a big spring break um, event that happens every year here on the Gulf Coast. Um, so it was. I think everybody had a busy week last week. And the weather. Yeah, yeah, and the weather didn't help out. Um, mm, so all that lately. compounded with everything that I got sent this week. We have a bunch of pictures and housekeeping and all that stuff to do. Um, so as usual. Uh, projects for the week. Jared, do you have anything going on, or do you at least have some updates, if you don't, on uh, like your drum kit that's getting built or anything like that? Yeah, so currently I got a couple things going on. Saturday at 11, I have a dude coming by to get a old kit that we worked on with Hugh, a 1960s-slash-70s uh, Ludwig Standard, 13, 16, 22, the weird Strata one. So that'll be getting sold. Hopefully the guy likes it on Saturday. I had a couple bites on some other stuff I'm selling, but that's the big thing. Um, I was telling you earlier, the hoops that Swindle got for me, they're the ones he got were like trashed. 
And like he went through. These and, are the bass drum hoops for your kit. Yeah. Okay. That's so the bass drum hoops for the kit that he's building for me. Like he got them and then was put them under tension, started cracking or whatever. And you do, and, I, I know I asked you Sunday, do you don't know where he got those from? Huh? I what haven't brand? asked him yet. Yeah. I would be interested to know what brand of bass drum hoop would crack under just regular tension yeah. on a bass drum. Yeah, I mean, I know those, Gibraltar and all that stuff's not going to do that. So I'd be interested to know, you know, what that brand was so we can let everybody yeah, know, don't buy that. Was it made of poplar or something? I, I have yeah. no idea. So right now there's a guy that he um, messaged and met, and he's does custom bass hoops out of, out of plies. So once those get done, then I'll have – those will be my new hoops. for. The, and you're uh, going at the end of this month to, like – Record the kit that he's building for you. Yeah. Um. So on April thirtieth, I'll be in Hattiesburg with him. Um. Gunner Bell was a guy who was on the like circuit of doing um like marching and everything. He also went to Southern Miss, did summer drumming with uh, him and Swindle and everything. So he does like his own little like studio. He's been doing stuff out of. So we we'll recording and he built the cherry drum. 8 by 14 I believe, for a guy recently. So we're going to do a little like promo video for him because he's working on his website. So we're doing like a kit playthrough of mine and then his snare drum and then probably mine too while we're there. Well, it's getting close. Yeah. At least because I know you're, you know, you've been waiting for quite a while. And that, yeah. I mean, custom drums take a while. Yeah. Uh, but I know you're getting excited. It's got to be getting close to time to, you know, for the the big payoff. Yeah, because the, the whole thing was like, there's like a no rush thing because how we worked out of me able to get it, you know, on that trade and everything, plus the money I'm paying in like labor or whatever. So, I'll you, you know, no rush. When we get to it, we get to it. It'll be like a fun little like Christmas whenever it happens. Yeah. And so we're and like now we're getting really close. And I'm like, I can't wait anymore. It's always tough waiting on. Have you ever had anything custom made? Uh, like a I guitar or an no, amp. Well, you had a Ladner, didn't you? Oh yeah, that's true. Did you have to, or was that one of the ones that they had in stock, or did you? Have no, to wait? I actually got number one, the first one they made. And did you have to wait on it? Uh, well, that's odd because when they were building the amp, they would come up to the music store and um, they would. It was it came in. Uh, what am I trying to say? In phases, so like they'd come up and it would be, oh, can we here play this? And then what does it sound like? Then we would kind of critique it and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So as that progressed, they finally had a production model they wanted to do, and I got like the first production model. So I guess it was kind of made with the whole thing. I'm not. I'm not really. Yeah. Well, they're nice. Yeah. I mean, they're, it was, it was are, custom, but uh, I don't think I had any type. Not of necessarily custom process. for you. Like it wasn't something you ordered, right? Um, I mean, I felt like I did because we uh, helped participate. Yeah. In like, oh, do this or do that, make it sound like this, but you know. Well, I mean, you know, we all know it's a, it's a pain in the butt waiting. It's always a great payoff. Yeah. But it's always, you know, you're like, come on, I, I need the. <laughs> Yeah, because he just finished that one kit for one guy. I'm like, mine's next, mine's next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he and then he had some he had some lumber come in. He goes, next kit going out the door, and I was like, that's not mine. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm like super excited though, because the last kit he just finished out was really pretty. Uh, white glitter I've never seen before. Ooh. I've never seen a white glitter kit. I've seen white marine pearl. Yeah, uh, I've seen like the white glitter that has the silver mixed in. That like pearl does that in the old masters finish. So it wasn't white. It was like platinum or whatever yeah. it was called, platinum mist or something like that. Really pretty. Never seen like a flat white sparkle or gl you know glitter. Yeah. Um, so it's gonna be. Uh, I always wanted to be the guy that comes up with the names for the colors. Platinum mist. 
That'd be like a fun job. Like, what do you? That's an avocado swirl because uh, it's got green and a seventy. Or like green. the pearl, red. the pearl color shimmer of Oz was that really pretty green? Did you ever see it? The reference color. Oh man, it was so nice. It literally was like that that Oz green with like just specks of gold. Oh, so cool. it literally did look yeah. like the the Wizard of Oz. Um, but yeah, that's uh, you know, there's some guy that that's literally the marketing guy's like, okay. Um, no, no, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. <laughs> That's offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so is that all you've got for the week? That's that's it. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, I have plenty to talk about. Um, mm. It was a very busy week for me. Uh, like I said, we're getting back to somewhat regularity. Um, I've done a couple of gigs here and there. Um, nothing that I could would consider back to work. Um, but then I started looking at my dates and starting last weekend, this weekend, pretty much out. It's like, okay, now we're getting back. And it makes me obviously feel a lot more comfortable about being able to rely on right. drumming for. I've heard that like May is people are booking stuff for May and June. I like, think, I think, I think May is going to start everything. Right. Um, I hope so. I, I noticed that that was the kind of the way it was looking in Florida even Louisiana. Um, I don't Matt, think wherever you were at, Florida just doesn't care. <laughs> I'll show you the video because they don't care. <laughs> yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> um, so well, I, I, I well no. Let me start here. Um, first off, I think Jarrett would agree. Even Derek would agree because he knows. I don't need like Jarrett. I don't need any more gear yeah. at all. We don't need anything. Just one more piece. Just one more <laughs> piece. Um, but I do have three things to talk about today. Oh gosh. Um, the first one being um, you starting a timer. No, I, no, I I got this. I'm sorry, I got this watch for for free from a buddy of of mine oh. I work with, and I don't know how to make it stop dinging. I, I've never, oh, I've uh, never swipe up from the bottom, okay. and you'll see the bell, and make it go red. Neato, cool. Um, Jarrett got gifted on Sunday, yeah. an oh. Apple Watch. Yeah. Oh, hey. Um, What's so, wrong with that? Nothing. I just, I just, I've never had one till now. Oh, they're, they're, they're super, super helpful. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I thought that was cool. It's like, wow, he's just because the guy uh, Zach Zach was sitting by me at the bar at the juke joint on Sunday, and he's like, uh, "You got an Apple Watch? Show me how to, to do this." I'm like, "Oh, this just this this and this and this and blah blah blah." And he's like, "Yes, yeah, so, uh, somebody uh, a coworker at the Beau Rivage, uh, the Golden Nugget, yeah. had given it to him. It's an older model." And I was right. like, "Well, that's sweet." And then not 15 minutes later, he's talking to Jarrett, and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, we'll just take it." And I'm like. What? I was like, you just got it. He's like, I'm getting one tomorrow anyway. He's like, <laughs> he's like, so was like, because you wanted to buy this one from uh, a lady that we work with. And then she was like, no, just gave it to him for free. He's like, well, I'm going to buy one anyway. And then so he gave me this one to buy the newer version of it. And it's still three. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm huh. part of the cool kids club. Right. The, <laughs> That's cool. Walking around on, I was gotten, it's like, boom. That's right. <laughs> no. It's for, for like you playing behind the drums, I'm texting Steve, and then you'll see the the message from he's like, da da, bra bra. Jared, I know you don't have anything to drink. Do you need something to drink, or do you want something to drink? I'll grab something. No, no, no. When you go to comments, I'll awesome. run to the uh, or send Derek to the fridge and get. What do you want? Peach, orange, cherry limeade, or black cherry? Ooh, black cherry. Okay, uh, so yeah. when I we go to it. comments and I go to his camera. Grab a uh, grab a black cherry for him out of the oh, fridge okay. here in a minute. Um, so anyway, um, y'all saw a couple of weeks ago I showed off something on the show, and um, 
I guess to start off, what I'm working on lately is I have, and I talked to Jared about this, I have stripped everything back down to bare bones. Um, I hate working with practice pads. It annoys me. I'd rather sit on the kit and if it just at least just work on the snare. But I told myself, no, in efforts to make myself do it more, you, we need to get the pad back out. So um, you can see my little, you know, my little notepad. Yeah. Uh, I get up. I have my coffee. I do whatever couple things I have to do around the house. And then it usually from one to three thirty, I'm pad. I go to Rachel's, we do dinner. I come back home, usually get home by 11:30, And then like the past couple of nights, I just been putting a movie on and like literally like set the, set the stand up to where I can lean back on the couch. I have to sit up and I'm just like working it. Um, so after all of this, I started looking around and I hate my practice pad. Jarrett's, I don't think Jarrett's are a big fan of the practice pads I have either. They were just ones that I picked up from Magnolia Music because I could get them for cheap. Yeah. Um, I hate it. It's not a typical, like, real feel or it's some kind of marching. Yeah, I have I have my opinion on the HQ pads. Well, yeah. but it's not an HQ. It's a like a Vic Firth X-Acto pad. It's, like, made for marching drummers to uh, work on your accuracy. Um, yeah. You have the, you have, yeah. You have the hard, they have the hard hitter and then you have the, and on top of that one is the, the HQ. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously anything will work. You don't have to have the, but I hate it. And, um, so I started looking around and, um, what I'm going to try to get this week, I'm going to do it through Sweetwater mm-hmm. is, um, is get myself a brand new pad. And if I can find the, what is it called? Uh, if I can find the picture and and somebody would probably say, well, like you just built a brand new practice pad. What do you need? What in the H do you need with a practice? You just built one. Well, to answer everybody's question and Jarrett has a birthday coming up soon. I am as of this day gifting you the practice pad that I built, which Jarrett was in love with the day he came over and played with it. Um, and he's like, Oh, this thing's awesome. It makes me, you know, remember like reminded of you of high school and the practice pads y'all have. So you had such a good time with it and your birthday's coming up. Happy early birthday. Oh, that's cool. Thanks dad. You're very, very <laughs> welcome. And it's uh, like what the Remo practice pad wished it could be. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the bespoke version of a Remo <laughs> practice. pad. I love this thing so much. <laughs> hmm. I cool. wish I still had that. I don't have any room for pictures today because, of so many well, that yeah, we have hold, to show. Hold it up to the camera or whatever, you know. Well, they, they've, they've seen, seen it if you have Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. They've seen it the uh, the other week. Um, so, happy oh. birthday. And now that I've given you that uh, as a birthday present, I have to go find myself a practice pad. So, the one I am looking at uh, on Jarrett's recommendation, and apparently it's really popular, is the ProLogix USA-made practice pad. They're and dope. This is not the actual model because the one I'm looking at is the uh, it's got the rim on it as well. And that's the the newer ones they've yeah. updated. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know because they have different levels. Like that teal green is the original model, mm-hmm. and then the red is the medium, and then they just what go up from there. Yeah. Well, so like so teal is like your standard. Red is softer, like your more traditional red gum rubber. Like I've played on all my years to everything, like my red Vader pad. So it's red gum rubber. And then blue gets softer and quieter. And then black is, it's super duper thick. Yeah, like the backside of a real feel, that tacky hard surface. No, it is. It's it's, so like, like if you start like teal being the most hard and then black being the softest. Yeah. So like blue, 
your rebounds real short, and then black, there's no rebound at all. It's like it's just dead. You might get you might get one bounce after you hit the stick to the pad. It's like doom, boom. That's that's all you get. Absorb. It absorbs the hit. So it's real big for like working on your um, on your chops and you know, like you were talking about on uh, Sunday about getting through that first day and your hands were like hurting. You're like, oh, all right, God. getting back into it again. God, it was bad. Um, so I asked Jarrett, um, you know, which one I should go with. I don't need the really tough ones. And I, I didn't want to go with the original green because somebody in one of those comments mentioned, like our review, either on Amazon or Sweetwater said it was a little too springy. And I want some kind of a workout, so that's why I'm going to be going with the red one, which is like the medium resistance. Um, it's a good – everybody, I've not seen a bad review on these. They're USA made. Um, a lot of guys do mention specifically that the rebound is really does mimic like a snare drum, um, not too springy to where you get like, oh, wow, I'm killing it, and then you get on a snare or on a, on a regular kit, and it's like, oh, no, that's all. Yeah. That's all for not. So that's what I'm going with is the red – Pro Logics. I'm going to be ordering that from Sweetwater this week. They got like, not that it, it's like a sixty dollar, I think fifty nine ninety five. Yeah, but they've got twenty four months financing on it, oh, so nice. it's like three bucks a month um, to get that. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but what, so what makes it dope? The fact that it's more like hitting an actual snare drum without hitting a snare drum is that what makes? I it? think from the reviews I've seen, and Jared, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of guys say that the bounce and the or the rebound is really. Um, accurate to a drum yeah so oh, okay. it's like a big thing that at least like the marching percussion you run into is something called pad hands where you go through it you practice on a pad so much you can play everything and when you get to an actual snare drum your hands whatever you worked on does not correlate to what you've gotten because oh, generally on marching drums you have kevlar heads and they're tensioned extremely right. tight they're super taut so whenever you go through and go from a pad to the snare drum like everything it's like way too much rebound or you get, I guess, like two comfortable. You get a custom particular yeah. feel of what you're hitting. Yeah. And then if you go, I got it. Or like I guys, know. I've always noticed a lot of guys that practice a lot on electronic drum kits. And then they go to oh. a gig on a real drum kit and they're like, dude, I'm not getting the rebound and I can't rip <laughs> these singles out like right. I did. I'm like, yeah, because you've been playing on <laughs> like <laughs> a spring <laughs> pad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that's kind of the deal with the Pro Logics is they're accurate to feel. And um, and I like not that it has to be, but I I do like that they are um, made in USA, yeah. which is which is very right. cool. Um, so th- I'm going to order that this week, I think, from Pearl and also something I have to order. And I showed Jared this the other night, the juke. I've had the same throne for a long time. It was a really good uh, Tama mm-hmm. first chair, first chair. Super comfortable. I've gotten way more than my money's worth out of it, but at the seams where they sew, um, like the seat in, it's starting yeah. to crack and rip. Um, so this week I've looked at um, the new offerings from Pearl, um, not to do with the 75th anniversary, but they have the new Roadster Thrones, which have what they call core uh, seating, and they show like how it like th- it's like multi-leveled foam padding under the seat. So it like takes the, the impact out, uh, possibly. <laughs> I, I, who knows what they're doing? You know that big company. But this is what I'm looking at. This is just the standard model. It's not the. I hate gas operated thrones. Yeah. Um, I don't. And they have another model that is like this, but at the top of the spindle, it has a shock absorber. 
I don't know what that does, and it basically just adds fifty dollars to the price. Ooh. Um, but they they tout these um, the pad on the the actual seat oh. as being so comfortable. I figured I could just order the standard model, and I think it is two hundred for this. And again, mm-hmm. Sweetwater has it on twenty four month financing, so yeah. it's like six bucks a month. Well. Which one was your Tama one? Was it the was it a round one? No, it, it was, was a bicycle a motor. No, it was well, it's like a motorcycle. I think. Is yeah, what they yeah, they, it. they had it. It wasn't like all the way curved yeah. in. It was like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't bicycle because it didn't come quite to a point. Right, but it was like, like angled at the top. And I did know I have whatever. noticed like lately. I feel not based on height, but based on the chair, I feel kind of not balanced properly. Kind of wobbly. Because I tend to like, I don't know if you do it, I sit on the edge of the throne. I don't back up and like sit on the top of the throne. I sit kind of on the edge. So I think I was kind of feeling unbalanced Mm. with that particular throne. So I think the round that it'll kind of tuck up under my butt as I sit on the edge, I'm hoping that it'll be. Yeah, because I do the opposite of how you sit. I watch this guy talk about like how to play um, double pedal better. And the first thing he talks about is where you sit on your throne. And he his whole thing is of using both your feet to play all these rhythms. He goes, pick your feet up. Where you like, oh, where yeah, you normally yeah. play. If you fall over, he's like, scoot back until your center of gravity is on the throne. So no matter what your feet are doing, he goes, because you're always grounded. So I've been doing that for like a year or so since I watched that, and it's helped me. But I also sit on a rock and sock that's yeah. got the cutout, so it's not. Right. So I have which rock and socks are great. I just I don't like gas. You do get a little bit of play, right. and I don't like the bounciness, even though they're super comfortable. I just brought up the Tama thing because the the, the picture on that throne, it, it didn't look qu- that Tama one's like this thick. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's, it is significantly thick. But, and that one looked thinner, so well, I wonder the, uh, if, I wonder if it'll still. I mean, that looks very thick, but I don't know. Well, I did have another pearl throne back in the day, and it was about that thickness, and it was comfortable. So I have no, I'm not worried about it getting it in and it not being comfortable. I've always right. had a good, really. I mean, everything I've ever bought from Pearl was great. So I'm, and Sweetwater is great about their return policy. I'm oh, sure if I cool, just yeah. hate it, I can send it back. And they do have in the Roadster series, they have the the kind of pointed one. Right. They have the bicycle one. They have gas. They have spindle. So I'll be able to find one right. that I like, but I figured the base model is going to be... Yeah, the uh, gas ones, that's just something else to break. What? And I've never yeah. had an issue with my rock and sock here. I just like... Jarrett knows, um, specifically, it used to kill me. When we play in the cover band, when we play Footloose, when you go to the chorus... The I don't know what it actually does in the song, but I know that in actually in the song the bass player is basically playing do 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 he's going back and forth, and um, I mimic that with my feet. I play kick hi hat bit 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 get bit get bit, and on the gas, Howard Thrones it starts and it would not it would not bounce in time. I would actually get thrown off. Of the beat oh. playing in the rock and sock, and I, like it happened once or twice, and I was like, "I'll never take that rock and sock on the gig again because of one song." <laughs> so I have to have a locked in, super sturdy, that's like funny. not it can't move. So that's kind of why I can't do the gas. Um, I know a lot of people love them, and they are super comfortable. Um, and of course, here at home, I have a rock and sock that's gas, but on gigs, right. I got to be locked into place. I don't like my throne to move. I don't even like my throne to spin. I tighten it down to where it doesn't move. Mm. And yeah. that's my biggest gripe with rock and rock and socks right now is that I have two of them, 
um, one I gig with and one I have for practice because I used to have like an old terrible Mapex one that just didn't go up high enough. And the deal with the the rock and side I've noticed is that where like it tightens down. If you go back to the picture of uh, of the pearl, oh, one. of the uh, the pearl. Yeah. Let me find it here. Yeah. Nope. So like, so he has that thumb screw that goes into the bottom. Well, on the rock and sock, it's like a massive T handle, and that whole apparatus, that whole block it goes into, spins around. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that like, no matter how much you tighten it, it always backs out and then goes loose. And then I like to keep my top part uh, of my seat like loose to like spin back and forth. Just because I'm lazy to like grab something, I don't want to have to. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm gonna call myself out, but like that is. And if it's if it catches, like I've dropped it or had a hard time getting the seat off, it'll actually stay like stuck to the the post that comes down. Yeah, yeah. And I'll like get up and then I'll turn and then the whole seat will go down or go up because that bottom uh, block doesn't oh, keep yeah, it yeah. tight. That's my only gripe with rock and Just talk. another reason for drummers to be super picky about their gear. Yeah, even maybe, down maybe to the throne. Maybe that's why I like drummers because I'm super picky. I was going to say earlier when you're talking about custom, I'm, I started thinking to myself, why have I not ordered something custom? And you, I know cameras, uh, right. like it takes consumer me like, electronics. It takes me a year and a half to figure out. But what you what like I'm high get. end, or not? You yeah. know, you like not. It's not high end, but you do. You want to get a good product for your money. So I know right. with cameras, you like high end. You're a Mac guy. Same thing, you play PRS, which is not inexpensive uh, guitars. You've always had a nice amp with really nice gear. So you like, and I'm kind of... Well, you know what? I've always believed in spending the money on the gear because like, when I got in a situation after I left the music store a year or two later, I got in some financial trouble, and I had a lot of nice studio gear, and I spent a lot of money on it, and I got every penny back after using it for however many years I used it for. So... I mean, that's that's always been my motto. Get something that's that's gonna like be really great. Well, no, I would agree because, um, oh, <laughs> um, that's all right. Um, I would agree because <laughs> that is what basically paid for a lot of the gear to set up the podcast was me liquidating right. old drum gear. And now that I have literally, it's done. I am I have completely switched from Sabian to Istanbul, and all it took was me liquidating all of my used pieces of Sabian. And now I have one, one, two, three crashes, two sets of hi-hats, and a ride of Istanbul. And it took, what, two months yeah. for me to totally switch from one brand to the other just selling the Sabian stuff on eBay. I never went to Facebook Marketplace. I never went to Reverb. I stayed on one platform. And um, like I've, I've been saying it for a while now. If you need to sell gear, this is the time. The market is open. People right. have stimulus, right. and people are looking to either upgrade or get stuff that they never really had before. So, all of you out there, if you do have old gear you're wanting to get rid of, or if you're wanting to take stuff you currently have and switch to another brand or upgrade, this is the time to do it. Whether it's Reverb, Facebook Marketplace, or eBay, now I'm telling you, this is. It only took me two months to liquidate one whole brand of symbols. It took me probably ten years to collect. And switch over to a completely different brand. Um, and I know you were even thinking about doing that with your camera. Right. Going from Nikon to possibly Sony or... I still th- I think I'm going to get a Fuji. Yeah. I don't okay. know. Um, that's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> right. We're not going to go down the... Uh, so, <laughs> I know. We haven't even made it through the house cleaning yet. <laughs> I know, right? So, so that is kind of what I'm looking at, at purchasing right now is the new ProLogix uh, practice pad and the new... Pearl throne, and this is really just like I said, um, t- 
to replace stuff that I currently have. I'm not really looking to buy stuff just to get, I'm good. I really don't need anything until we talk about the very next thing I'm going to talk about. Um, well, maybe I have some house cleaning. Well, <laughs> we've got, dude, we have time. We're only 30 <laughs> minutes in. Um, so the next thing I'm going to talk about, though, is um, I have been, Jared, uh, tell them, did, I don't know if you mentioned it last time or if that was during the, the week we were gone. Tell them about your Gretsch USA snare drum. Ooh. Which part about it? Just tell them about it, because that leads into my story. Oh, um, so I was perusing through uh, Reverb, trying to find, because uh, a couple guys have like some cheap USA kits, and I was just trying, and then, but the thing is with Reverb is that if you don't have like the correct like search part, you won't get certain hits. Like even though I put in Gretsch Custom, some USAs wouldn't pop up, or. If you put U.S., you get a different search from U.S.A. Like, it's, a, it's really finicky, I've noticed recently. And so I was going through, and I put in uh, just U.S. Gretsch. And I was going through, and I found this, I would say, relatively cheap. I thought uh, it was a great price. Yeah. I really did. I thought it was a super a super good price for a U.S.A. Yeah. Like a 2000s model, so for 300 and I think it was $20 with tax and everything, um, I got that. Super dope snare drum. It's a U a Gretsch USA five and a half by fourteen in like a black hand rubbed stain. Yeah, I think it's just like an ebony, like a nitron. Yeah, wrap. but not like a lacquered. It was like a yeah. matte. Yeah, uh, it's matte, and it and it goes with everything. Yeah, so um, it's got uh, diecast hoops. Yep. Um, Lightning and throw that off. is what a uh, six ply maple gum, maple or maple gum. It's either, I can't remember if it's six or three. Mike's going to make fun of me for not knowing this. Well, he'll let us know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the point being is Jared brought this beautiful Gretsch snare to the Juke, and uh, he let me tune it. Uh, he said, you know, we, we tune very differently as so far as how we tune mm -hmm. snare drums. But he did say, I don't have anything kind of tuned like the way you tune snare drums. So I said, oh, I mean, I'll tune it. And I got it to where I want it, which is probably like medium-high tension, medium um, that's for Mike a countertop for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I think my medium is what people really consider medium high. Um, but it sounded so good and I have gotten rid of a bunch of Pearl snare drums, which was also what helped fund the switch over to Istanbul. Um, and it's really funny. Like it might be the same way with you with guitar, um, brands or what you use as gear. Like I, as a child hated Pearl drums. I couldn't stand them. I hated the two-post mount. I just, for some reason, as a kid, I hated them. I actually played Tama when I was a kid. Hmm. And now it's like 30 years later, and I am a diehard Pearl fanboy. The same thing with 5.5 by 14, which is typically, you know, is the st like when you get a Pearl Export or a Tama hmm. Imperial Star. When you start in middle school. That's yeah, that's what comes. And y'all know this is what comes with the kit, a 5.5, not a 5. Not a six and a half, a five and a half by 14 is the standard, like, comes with the kit. I've always hated that size. And I've had plenty of six and a halves. I have every other weird size you can think of five, four and a half, four and three quarter, three. The pancake is like two. Yeah. Uh, the one I built is four. I have, I have threes. I always stayed away from 5.5s. And then it occurred to me over the past year and then it really struck home when I played his I was like I again just like the pearl thing when I was a kid I'm stupid because sometimes I feel like the six and a halfs are just too deep 
They sound too big in Rocky Stadium. And then some of those, any of those other sizes are just too shallow and they don't feel like they have any body. And then it, like a light bulb, because I'm stupid, is like five and a half. It's right in the middle. Right. It's still cracky because it's it's under six inches. But that I think that extra half an inch gives it just enough body to make it fat enough. And I noticed, I started looking around specifically at what some of the guys I liked were playing, and I noticed a lot of them played five and a halves. Then I played his, and I'm like, well, that's it. Yeah. I got to get a five and a half. I, I don't feel bad about buying another snare drum because I got rid of two pearls. So I can, you know, so. Right. What was it made of again? Maple and gum. Oh, okay. Um, and really, everybody knows maple is like the apple pie of snare drum woods. But the gum, and I didn't know this. Uh, I thought gum was just the old recipe, which it is. Yeah. But the reason for it is because gum is so dense, it controls, I guess, kind of the wildness of the maple. So, like, hmm. for the pearls, um, they came out with that maple gum uh, master series. It's six-ply, four-ply maple, and then two-ply of gum on the inside just to kind of control it a little bit. Um, so that is what I am currently, this is what I'm looking for right now. This is the Pearl Master Series Maple Gum. Six-ply, 60-degree outer bearing edge, four-ply maple, two-ply gum on the inside. Um, and I'm looking for a five-and-a-half, which I'm having trouble finding. Um, the one that I actually can find right now on eBay is this one. Um, and I actually wouldn't mind this model because... That one just doesn't look as good as the other one. Well, here's In my, my opinion, here's my problem yeah. is the whatever snare I buy has to go with every kit I play. And a dark black snare or a black colored snare drum will typically blend in with the one you're looking at, the the master or the reference. Right. Because it's a dark color. And then my little midtown is literally black sparkle. Only thing I don't like is is it's not black, it's not a hand rub black stain, it's black um pearl. Is that what they call that? Uh, yeah, black black per, or black marine. I, I've pearl. never liked black that particular diamond rap. pearl. Black diamond. Yeah, I've pearl. never liked that wrap. It's kind of got a um, lot of straight what lines. What I really it. would like, to be honest with you, is the one I showed you first. But yeah. I, this is a six and a half. I can't right. find a five and a half right now mm -hmm. in this. I would prefer this because then a natural wood snare would go with any kit, no matter what you play. So I'm putting it to everybody in the chat. Let me know if you had to choose between. The natural finish, which I will have to wait on to, for somebody to get it in stock. The natural finish. Or the black diamond, which I could get right now. Um, let us know in the chat which one you think that I should well, be going with. But you get the black diamond and strip it down and just no, make your I own would not finish? Mess with it. No, I wouldn't no. mess with it. I, I don't like messing with brand new pearls like that. They do such a good job. Right. Those, are, those maple gums are handcrafted. They're still made in a Taiwan factory, but they're they're hand built. Um, I wouldn't want to mess with such a nice drum. And I'm like I said, I'm getting it because his Gretsch USA in the same kind of formula sounded so good. I was like instantly like I gotta have one. And I did. I was like, well, of course Pearl doesn't. Yes, they do. They just started doing this. Um, uh -huh. It was one of their Masterworks blends, which is like Pearl's most expensive right. custom, and it was so popular. People, so many people were ordering that urban recipe, what they called it, um, that they made it into a whole line of Masters, uh, Masters Maple Gum. The kits are 
expensive. They're like thirty five hundred for a four piece shell pack. Yeah. Oh, um, but the snares are like four fifty, which is a, which is mid. You know, that's yeah. good mid pricing. So that's what I'm currently looking for. I think I'm going to have to wait and be um, patient. But y'all let us know in the comments what y'all think if you sh- if I should go for the natural or the black diamond, which I could get right now, or if I just have to suck it up and wait and be patient for like a natural or some other finish that they might put out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sure. that's currently what we have going on as far as purchasing. Um, and to wrap up, what I've got going on is I'm going to show you all the stuff from. Well, actually, I'm going to show you. Um, Jarrett just got the uh, first prototype piece of what. Mr. Michael Benson is labeling as patio beards <laughs> practice pads. Um, I wish we would have had this. I wish I would have built this during that time during March because it would have been even better. But if anybody out there is interested in a patio beards practice pad, please let me know and I will custom build you one of our <laughs> luck I feel like this should be like every special edition should have something like that. that. That's pretty good. So that's going to be, um, that's what we're going to be calling those. Uh, so if you do want, not that I'm trying to build them, but if you do want me to build you one, you know, we'll figure out a fair price just to cover the cost. It's not, they're not expensive to make. I think I've spent, Ten dollars at yeah. Lowe's to build it. Really? Yeah, it was like ten dollars for the pieces of wood, and I had a rim. Well, you have to factor in your time, though, too. Well, true. That's um, the expensive. Part. So, but if you want a patio beards practice pad, please email us at <laughs> beardedrums at gmail dot com and contact me about a custom build, and we'll look at building one of those for you. I can't figure out which one makes me laugh more: the know, pipe right? or the hat. It's just <laughs> killing me. Um, so, to get to this past weekend, y'all. A lot of y'all probably saw the live video. I'm sure both of y'all saw at least pieces of it. Um, this is a shot from the massive club in Destin, Florida called mm-hmm. AJ's. Mm-hmm. We did a three-night run Thursday through Saturday, uh, 340, four 45-minute sets every night um, from about 8 to 12.30 or one thirty. That's a good stage, too. It is so hot because it's oh. just you're backed into a corner. Um but well, it was, I was thinking it was, of the height from the, the, the oh, crazy, massive Oh, no, it was, it was super people. fun. And you can see in the shot, you can kind of see the plastic there. They don't have a drum shield. They have those cool drum shields that just go in front of the cymbals. Oh, that's So nice. they're, like, small, and they clamp to, like, a, a boom arm. Oh. So there was one right in front of the crash. There was one right in front of the ride and one right in front of the I was wondering heights. that when I watched it. I was yeah, like, it was super cool. I hate like drum shields, but that was super cool. Um, and it worked. Huh. But it didn't block and obstruct your whole view because you know when they put those drum shields up it's only like a year till they get scratched and smudged up and then you can't see through them so this is a shot from my point of view um and i did get several comments um, on the live videos about the kit sounding really good um this is what i was playing is a sonar select force it was 22 10 12 16 i am not familiar with that line of sonar Jarrett might be but that's what i was playing because a couple guys did ask it was a sonar select force 22 10 12 16 i played my snare i remember sonars being really nice drums but they were always over engineered well that's the in that german way is to yeah i guess so like especially the hardware it was just like yeah you could get one arm with like you know, or one stand with like five arms on it. Yeah, yeah. there's ten things. But they are they are super nice. And I know I I would imagine that's probably not a high dollar. Um, if, sonar. if I'm not mistaken, the Select Force it was like their, like their vision of midline. Yeah, so midline. like six ninety nine or 
uh, like a like a Gretsch Catalina Maple or something like yeah, that. Yeah, if I'm not um, mistaken. But it sounded good. It was typical club fashion. Um, can you see it in the still? You can see on the right hand side that that bass drum claw is almost rusted in place because that is an open air Florida. Uh, venue so it's nothing but salt air eating at the chrome mm. you can see the um yeah the, the rods look a little rusty yeah too. so but it worked and like i said most live club fashion it had ec2 clears um probably like a p3 or a p4 on the kick but it sounded fine yeah and it sounded fine with the mic that i plugged into the phone to go live um, i think i actually have a shot of the whole kit here so this is the setup uh, my snare, all my Istanbul cymbals, my bass drum pedal, and the rest was theirs. All their kit, all their hardware, um, and it worked great. Um, it didn't sound good from where I was sitting, but out front it sounded really good because, of course, they have it EQ'd and yeah. all the subs kicking. Um, but I did get a bunch of comments that saying the raw sound from where the phone was when I was live that it sounded good. Do you it know, sounded good in my car. So it looks like there was a 2001 of... Three thousand one and a three thousand seven series of Force. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't oh, I forgot all about. It looks like Reverb selling a, a two thousand one Force for like. Does it say can anywhere from three ninety nine to eight hundred bucks? Can you, Jared? Can you get, like get up and look at the screen? Does it say there on the? Oh well, either it's a maple a maple kit. So I was happy with it, um, and I actually do have. Um, there's going to be no audio because I don't want to get copyrighted. Um, this is a video. Y'all can't see it, but they, they will. Um, this is a live uh, shot from during the gig. Uh, you can see the massive crowd and me trying to hold the phone while I'm playing uh, with one hand. But it was a lot of fun. It was a uh, it was really cool to get back to playing after a year and do like a three night run. And Jared, even I, I told him, you know, I was having trouble the second night because it's been so long since oh, I've have, done. Like, fatigue for... Yeah, my my right hand just hurt Ooh. halfway through the second night because you're not getting any younger. You I know. know, and I haven't done <laughs> runs of gigs in so long. Uh, but by the third night, I was back into it, and uh, we're not going to have those problems anymore because I'm practicing. Multiple hours. I wonder if that's going to happen to a lot of bands. Like they're they're going to come out, yeah. And like the first week's going to be amazing of bands, and then like this, their second gig's just going <sighs> to suck horribly. <gasps> yeah, so tired, <laughs> right? And I noticed I was so. And this used to not happen to me a lot back in the, a year ago when we played. I was so hungry at the end of every night. Like I could feel a hole in my stomach because I wasn't used to burning all those calories. I was starving at the end of mm. every night and sweating my butt. Like it was. It was really like. You need to get back into practicing daily on the pad, on the kit, and prepare yourself for these multiple day runs. Well, that's what most people were doing during COVID. I'm sorry, I had, I was depressed. <laughs> I was depressed during COVID. I was eating my feelings and trying to. I think I drank. Playing bass, playing bass, learning bass, which I'm still in that. But that, just like everything else, that takes years of getting to that right. point to be competent there. So, um, but I, I, I've got my plan in place. Back to you know being drumming fit. Uh, with practicing, so I don't think I'm going to have any more problems. Um, so that I think that pretty much wraps um, everything I've got for my week. Let me check all my pictures here. Um, yeah, uh, that wraps. Um, I was going to interject one thing. No, go ahead. My wife is very happy that I finally ordered my desk for my studio room. Oh, it's which finally. which one did? Was I went with the output. 
Was it any of those setup? ones that you showed me? Probably you saw it. It's you'd be probably mad at me because it's of course, I think for a desk it's very uber expensive. Yeah, and you're probably like, dude, I could I could make that in like no time. Well, but I don't know. But sometimes. I like I don't know. It was nice finished, and I I, I she was harping on me because I'm, I'm literally working on just a kitchen table that we moved upstairs yeah. for the past like two and a half years. And I'm just well, I mean, like, that's what we're working on here is my kitchen table that I right. pulled out of the kitchen. And now yeah, it's, 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 it's just like this, but it's bigger. But this one has like some rack units in it and it's got a keyboard tray. So yeah. if I do get a keyboard, I really want to get some studio stuff again and slowly get back into some audio things. Well, now that you got to start with the desk and then right, I got the desk and there. this little sidecar thing and some speaker stand. So I'm just happy. I want to get my studio owners up and listen to music. Yeah. Because I'm tired of the the earphones and stuff. There's nothing like having studio monitors true. three feet apart from three feet from your ears, and it's just like, ah. Very true, very true. Well, I'm, I'll be over there, I'm sure, plenty being like, oh, nice, man, look at this. Can right. I have this? I'll take some pictures and send them <laughs> to you once I get the room set up. Definitely. Awesome. Um, so that wraps up the housekeeping for the week before we get into our viewer stuff. Perfect timing for you to check the comments, and we'll uh, send you to go get a black cherry for Jarrett while Jarrett gets us into the comment section. Spencer, what's up? Uh, Studio One, anybody? I know Steven uses Studio One, correct? Yes. Um, let's see. Mark Wittenen says, Hi, fellas. Working on my wife's cell phone, so I'll be in and out. That's cool. Moment. Good to see you, Mark. We'll be showing your photos here soon. Charlie says, Evening, guys. I keep forgetting across the pond. It is a whole different time. That's right, but it's good to see you, buddy. Glad you are here. It's good to see all of the legacy members in the house. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Richie Henry says, Kisses to all. Hey, Richie. <laughs> We're hitting from UK. We're hitting from Japan. We're hitting That's from cool. U.S. Um, Charlie says, ProLogics are good, but I must say my pad of choice forever has been an old DW Deadhead 14. Love to try their small multi-surface pads, but no one on the side of this pond stocks them. I guess that's like one of the biggest downfalls of Charlie being over in the UK. That's the biggest downfall of being across the pond in general. You can't find vintage gear like we can, and it's hard to get just regular gear. Wow. That sucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for them, and especially... It's not as tough, I think, for the guys in Europe, but it's really tough for people in South America. I'm talking, I noticed it with when I was d- doing the bass thing and with drums. It's really hard for them to get just new gear for normal brands that we kind of take for granted. I wonder what that is. Like I think it's a, a mixture of, I think it's a mixture of they just don't have as many music stores as we do. And then I would imagine, then you get into the international shipping, tariffs, right, importation, sure. kind of things like that. So. Skyrockets. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, sorry, not to interrupt. No, you're fine. Um, Mike Malone, I want a ProLogic strike zone in some sort of contest. It has the red inner circle. I know that one he's talking about. Um, never would pick something like that, but it's actually great. Um, see, I have something like five to six drones I've collected over the years and keep up with my gig stuff, studio kits. Most of them are rock and sock. I like the gas for my students so I can quickly adjust. That would make sense. Also, when you're gigging, a throne that breaks down is handy. The natural gas ones don't break down much. Oh, that's a gr- that is a great point, and I didn't even think about that because I don't use gas thrones for gigging. But yeah, that would be a kind of a pain in the butt because that's the only thing. My gripe with the rock and socks is I don't know if you've ever seen how a rock and sock connects to the spindle. It's not just a thumb uh, a wing nut. You have to have a wrench to turn the nuts. Oh, and it's a pain in the butt. And they secure very nicely, but the downside of that security is. It's harder to get off. It's just not. It's not made to break down. Do they have some models that you don't have to have that. They have a regular spindle model, but if you're no, I'm ordering saying with the gas, it, 
I seem to remember when I was doing the backline stuff that one of the rock and socks you just pop the. You know, no, you're right. You're right. We I've never, with the we never took the seat off yeah. of the thing. That's what it was. And again, they rock and sock does sell spindle models. But if you're ordering a rock and sock, you're not ordering. A, you're ordering the gas one. That's I, what they're. <laughs> I have the two spindles. <laughs> of course you do. I couldn't. I couldn't justify having. Yeah, yeah, the bouncy. That, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so fat. I gotta make sure I'm solid. <laughs> um, let's see, dude, Charlie, with the knowledge, um, rock and sock were using custom percussion bases for years and still do, I think. What you're known for falling apart, the best thing you can do with them is to replace them with a pearl slash Gibraltar base. That's right. Uh, Mark says yes. I need to sell more kits. He says I bought a Gretsch. Catalina Club mod and was pleasantly surprised by its decent sound. I rewrapped it and since sold it. See, a lot of folks are going gaga for the Renowns. I used to have a Renown on the old NR1s and I loved it. And I'm. Yeah, the ones from early 2000s were. I mean, not that they're not nice now. Yeah. Those older model ones are super nice. They're dope. I'm sad I got rid of it. It's to get that son of a gun right there. Mm-hmm. I traded that with that Tama Hyperdrive. Oh, it's fine. I don't play Pearl. Pearl's lame. <laughs> um, and then Richie quotes that half an inch gives it just enough body to be fat enough. Yeah, quote. I mean, I feel stupid all those years for just discounting a five and a half when probably more than likely at the end of the day, that's exactly what I was looking for. Right. Just like hating Pearl as a kid, and now that's exactly what I've it's invested in. It's funny how you get something me. stuck in your head. and it just It's weird. Sometimes you just got to get it out. Yeah, it's it's really weird. So, um, you know, lesson learned. We'll, we'll get it We'll get it set up. Uh, Charlie says you got to get a Craviato. Dude, I don't, I don't even want to start the solid shell discussion yet because that was, Jared knows, that's what I was going to purchase before this whole debacle with the maple gum. Yeah, I was I, I wanted a solid single ply snare. Um, Pearl is putting out some. Two, I mean, like I'm sorry. I think they're going to rival Craviato and. Um, uh, Noble and Cooley. Yeah, Noble and Cooley. Like um, Pearl just started putting out that they're making in Nashville at a North American whatever, either maple or cherry. Solid ply shells, and I've seen video after video. Louis Palmer just got one. Oh, he won't yeah. shut up about it, how much he loves it. And I think most drummers would agree that's the pinnacle or that's like the, the top of the snare drum game is when you finally step up to that. Because it's basically, no matter what you do, it's going to be $1,000 for a solid ply snare. Right. Um, but I mean, kudos to Pearl for jumping in there and having some bougie companies, you know, do yeah. some and stuff pushing, first and be like, hey, we can do that just like them. And they're and doing sell it about a little cheaper, you know? $200 less than a oh, of course they're going to do that. They, yeah, a, you know, they want to make the sale. So I'm with yeah. you, Charlie. That is just going to be it's going to happen at some point. So that's why I'm not worried about rushing it. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I just missed out on Sweetwater had all of those Pearl solid plies on 48 month financing. So it would be like Ooh. 15 bucks a month. They just switched to 24. So now it's like <laughs> 30 bucks around. a month. It'll come back around. Which still is fine, right. but um, I'm going to focus on, just because yours sounded so good, that's what I'm chasing now is just a good gigger. I can I can ruin it. I can beat it up, and it'll be fine. But, you know, Charlie is right. That's kind of the pinnacle on uh, on the snares. They're so nice. Yes. Um, let's see. And then Richie says, natural finish goes with everything. Charlie says, but out of the pearls, I'd get... The BDP, personally, love that finish. BDP is short for Black Diamond Pearl. 
I mean, it's available well, right now. Because you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like a reference because I was like, I don't like that color. I don't like that that the texture, whatever. It's I'm with to you, be. but it, it's, it's it's the it's one that's the available color. now. It's, I, no, I have the black diamond pearls. That one looks the most lame. The older ones that they use on Ludwig's and Gretsch. Those are cool because they got that more silver yeah, yeah. in them. And Maybe that one, that's that one's, that one's kind of flat. It now, looked, it it looked kind of cheap. If it was like the old school honest. Black Diamond Pearl, yeah. I would I would punch you in the gut and tell you to do it because it's cause those are just so pretty. The light reflects off them just right, and that one just looks a little. I'm probably gonna end up waiting. Okay, I gotta give you that. I gotta give you that. So, um, any more? Um, let's see. We got Mark Weddenen says all good things come to those who wait. <laughs> Very true. Got to be patient. David Bygun says, "What's up, guys? Hope everyone's having a good day. It's been pretty good. It is a good day. It's a, it's a good week." Um, Starting off, you know, the weather sucks, but right. you know, other than that, it's a good week. It's not going to be a hefty week. As other far than the weather and your dog waking up at three o'clock in the morning, you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And go to Rachel work. did it's not get any sleep last night. Yeah, none. Uh, her got, dog, some, if it much. starts thundering a little bit, Penny starts yeah. pacing back and forth, and she started texting me at like midnight. She's like, "It's already started, Penny." So I said, "You know, just try to go." Then I think about three thirty, she was like, "Give Penny three Benadryls." Should be well. Out. She gives her these calming dog treats that have. Oh like yeah, the, I had some of those. Yeah. Um, but three thirty, she was like, "That's it. I'm getting up. I'm making coffee." <laughs> I was like, "Man!" And I texted her today about noon. I was like, "Did you get any sleep?" She's like, thirty minutes here, maybe thirty minutes there, but no." Oh, so she passed out right now. Well, no, she's probably either watching us or watching one of her shows, but. Because I'm not going up there tonight, she'll probably go to sleep fairly early and actually get uh, if the weather stays holds okay. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the weather does suck. Let's see. Uh, Charlie says vintage gear is pretty readily available over here. The USA stuff is more expensive, of course, but similarly, you guys pay a lot more for '60s premier kits and the like, which is understandable because that is right from over there. Yeah, or like vintage sonar stuff like yeah. that. Um, and then David Bygun says those Music City custom snares from Pearl are hella killer and Dude, sound they amazing. They are. Like, I have to give. And on that note, um, everybody, if you are a fan of Pearl drums or have ever been slightly interested in Pearl, now is the perfect time to go check them out. Because if, if you don't know, April 2nd was Pearl's 75th anniversary. Pearl is a family-owned company since... The first day, they've never had outside financing, which I didn't know, which makes me even more proud to be a Pearl player. That is the 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 grandson of the founder is the chairman. Oh wow! No outside financing, family owned company. Um, they just had their seventy fifth anniversary, and they brought back the President Series, which is the kits they made back from the sixties. They brought it back in two models, a limited run of a hundred kits with the phenolic shells, which is like the resin. Um, in the wood shells, and then they also just for regular sale have the the standard president uh, deluxe. Yeah. Um, and they brought Jarrett, being a big fan. Uh, Pearl has now stepped into the uh, stave snare business. That's really cool. They're doing theirs. And I saw the video with Rex Hardy, who is raving about his stave craft. So if you like stave snares, it's a good time to look at Pearl. If you like the vintage Pearl President kits, it's a good time to look at Pearl. They just started making USA-made solid shell snares in Nashville. Wow. Great reason to look at Pearl. And with that Masters maple gum, which basically mimics the old vintage uh, shell formula, yeah. like I think they're hitting their stride, which they've always been a great company, but now they're really 
you know, I think they're 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 really hitting their stride as a modern competitor, which they've always been. But yeah. you know, don't you dare! I'm not gonna say anything don't you negative. Dare. I was, I was, I was, I was it, it was it was towards <laughs> it was towards uh, Derek. What part did you understand? The stave part? Now I know. What yeah, that yeah, is? yeah I, 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 that was a new one on me. I was like, ooh. So stave. Out of the loop for a minute. So stave. What that is is that instead of it being plies of wood that are like squished together. Mm-hmm. And then outside pressure and inside forces it together. Mm-hmm. The way stave is done is that it's whole blocks of wood that are cut at angles and glued, and then oh, okay, it's like, okay. and then you'd put like a band, like a keg or whatever, around it, and then once the glue sets, you put it on a jig, and then you do the inside and the outside. I think I've it, seen that. I probably just didn't know what it was called. Yeah, just another form uh, of making snare drums, but that's yeah, yeah. they've become fairly popular here, huh. you know, in the modern uh, drumming industry and now obviously it's popular enough that pearl's going to feel the is need to a, make a whole a cheaper method or a it is more a, labor intensive or so i wouldn't it say is, it's cheaper but it's probably more labor intensive it's i would say it's more labor to, and it's, a, it's a little bit easier way to get into making drums because you don't have to go through and get expensive veneers and plies and you of okay. wood. you if you were a drum builder just getting started out you would not have custom molds to bend number one you wouldn't have a steam machine to bend wood into a circular piece much less have these huge if you've ever seen those huge uh molds that they shove the steam bent wood mm-hmm. into to make it like that's that's yeah. kind of like making symbols like yeah it's easy to take a symbol and lathe it but do you have a a furnace and a uh, right, you know, to, right, like, right, so right. it's it's easier to do on the equipment end, but those pearl stavecrafts are eight hundred ish dollars, so they're not cheap. It's not a cheaper form. I think it's just a little easier to do because there's less equipment required. Got you. And this is where I would ask Hen- uh, Richie, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, the way they're building them is like the eight, the old school Japanese technique of how they would make furniture, is that you would cut out individual like parts of a joint and then it just slides in together seamlessly they do. and that's and that's what they're using for that stave because it's two it's, most of it's just one block and it goes through but they're having two blocks offset with the center block that goes in through all of them that holds it together yeah and i forgot what that process is called and this is where henry would tell me yeah what let the us Japanese, know Richie, if you can the japanese name is but i think that's super rad how they're doing that so but they're not doing it on the cheaper end they're it's an 800 dollars snare drum so yeah. it's it's definitely that's cool the upper two thirds of the price range, you know, sure, for sure. snares. So the point being is, is if you have ever been interested in Pearl, this is a great time to look at what they're doing because of the 75th anniversary and because of all the stuff they've just been putting out lately. Um, so that kind of wraps up that section, unless there's any more comments. Got two more comments. Okay. We got one from Charlie saying on that note, I am off out tomorrow to have a look over a 1960 to 63 Ludwig silver sparkle, super classic kit nice. may end up buying that one. Definitely check to make sure it has a good Ludwig bump. I know what you know what that is. The weird hump. Yep. What the at the scoff joint. That's whatever uh Hugh always stressed us is a check for the bump. Yep. Make sure the bump is everything. <laughs> the bumps if the bump's not there or it's really big, it means someone's already rewrapped it. That's right. And that's super crucial. And then Richie says Pearl makes very popular sticks here in Japan. Most of most of the most popular drummers in Japan have signature pearl sticks, and I honestly love even their standard models. And then, oh, Mike, one thing about stave construction as well is a lot less glue in your shell, which makes, which would maybe, I can't even talk, <laughs> which maybe would resonate more. There we go. Um, I'd be There's interested to know, Richie, are you talking about literal pearl branded 
drumsticks or those new Winston, Vincent Winston sticks they're they're pushing through Pearl. Um, let us know in the chat if you know the because I, if it is like a Pearl. I've never seen a Pearl brand drumstick. Me either. But I know that Pearl recently has started pushing those. It might it might be called Vincent, but it's spelled W I N C E N T Vincent drumsticks. So if you know Richie, let us know which one that is. If it's like literal Pearl or if it's those Winsents. Um, any more comments? That's it. Okay, let's get to our viewer section and start showing off some pictures that were sent in to us this week. I uh, will start off with who's first here, um, Spencer. Spencer being a legacy member of bearded drums this is spencer built this himself out of pallet wood uh very cool looking <laughs> very cool looking uh like you could shoot some really cool videos for youtube or instagram with that but that's really cool stage he's built himself there um out of pallet wood not the drum set we're talking about the stage oh, okay. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um Remember, like, i see that that is out of that is out of wood i was like but he I mean, you put some them. nice colored lights on there where that wood could catch the color. It would look really good. So that's very cool, and it's cool that you have the space to right. do that because that's probably the most hard thing about YouTube or Instagram if you live in an apartment or a house, having the space to do all this kind of stuff. Um, but that came out super nice, and obviously pallet wood being cheap, that probably didn't cost him a ton of money. All right. That's a good job. Yeah, man. Very nice. Uh, thank you, Spencer, for sending that in. Um, that's all spent normally Spencer's throwing pictures left and right at us, but yeah. it must be a light month for Spencer, but very cool. Nonetheless. Um, any now more? somebody, huh? Is there any more? What? I'm sorry. I'm oh yeah. Off. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. I told you, man, we missed one week and we have so much stuff that we have to get through. Um, only two guys though. Um, Mark who has, uh, recently started hanging out with us every week. Mark Whitner, I think is how you say his name. Um, Mark has a real, like Mark loves to take, and he told me today in the email, like drums that get no love, lesser expensive kits or kits that just get thrown out. And he likes to take them and refinish them. And we featured one on the last live one where he took, um, a kit that was like where he took the 16 inch floor Tom and converted it to a bass drum with a Tom oh, and yeah. a Tom. And it was a really cool vintage style kind of psychedelic finish. Um, but this is the one that he did for this week. This is what the kit looked like. Um, just a pearl kit. I don't remember if he told me what kind of pearl kit it was. Um, but with that kind of like matte white finish or just a you know regular white finish. And this is what he has done after. Oh, with oh a, like neat. A, like a rainbow kind of glitter finish. Um, and he I think he gets most of his stuff from bum wraps. But he always picks like really cool colors to wrap these kits in, which he doesn't spend a lot of money on the kits. I want to say maybe on this one, he said it was either given to him or he paid like 40 bucks for it. Oh, well. Solid. Yeah. So that's uh, like the wide shot here is there. There you can kind of catch. Oh, the nice. Iris, yeah. Like the iridescentness of the rainbow. God, what are, what <laughs> are those? Uh, it was a brand of like, for like girls binders and had like the cats and dolphins oh, like the, and the stuff. Trapper keeper. Yeah, but there was like there was an there was yeah. another one. Like I remember being a kid because remember you keeper. started. No, this was. I'm too old for that. Is what you're telling this me. This is from 2000. You were at the music store. <laughs> I was five. <laughs> or like hot sticks, hot yeah. sticks, drumsticks. Yeah, yeah, used they did to that. do those finishes. Yeah, proudly made here in, in Mississippi. Bay St. Louis. That's right. 
Um, but hot sticks would do those kind of like holographic. Maybe it was the kiln. It was the kiln. Basically. I know, I th- yeah, I think either one, one over there in, in uh, Hancock County. It was County. by Stennis Space Center. The, the and uh, here airport. is the last shot of. So very cool job. Uh, obviously took a, a kind of regular boring looking kit in a white finish and made it, you know, stand out like really good. So there's your kind of standard finish. And now he's got what would stand out on stage very well. And I think Mark said he's up to about. And these are all like either given to him or like under fifty dollars. He's got like eight kits now. Oh wow! That he's refinished all of them. I like that one in the back on the floor too. Uh, those are, okay. See, you Did see the one those? that green one. Yeah, it, the green one. Now to see the one above it in that kind of like spotted. Okay, I remember. That's that one. what was last the last time. Got you. And I've got I'm backed up on Mark because I've got about six kits of Marks I got to show. <laughs> I'm gonna do one every week. <laughs> okay. So we're just digging through Mark at this point. But great job, Mark, as usual, um, for uh, you know. Doing the kit, the rewrap. Um, so thank you for sending those in. And I've got plenty more of yours to show, Mark. So every week we'll show another one of Mark's kits. And he said his his wife's being cool. You know, even though he's... <laughs> but I think what he said he wants to do is he's got two kids he, he wants to keep out of those six or eight. And then he, and I was going to mention this to you. I didn't know where you were as far as getting rid of yours. He said he wants to sell all the other ones and get a Ludwig Standard. So I don't know if you've sold yours yet. Yeah, I got a guy Saturday coming uh, at eleven. Well, if it falls it through, yeah, if, if it falls, Mark, it, if it falls through, we'll get you hooked up with Jarrett. But it looks like it has been spoken for. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Mark, for sending those in. And now we get to another legacy member, Mister Josh Breslow. I think is his last name. But anyway, Josh, who hangs out with us weekly, this is something Ooh. Josh did. Um, he cut down the shells. And did some really cool looking artwork on the bass drum and on the shells, which I'll show when we get to the uh, the tighter shots. But really cool looking, like artsy kind of look. So when you say he did the artwork, did he do the, the artwork on the the drum? I'm so too? sad they're out of they're out of business now. Who's that? So the the logo that's above that tree, yeah, they're called Visionary Drumheads, and they're no longer in business. Huh. They had some cool stuff. They made heads for uh, Revival and another drum store, and they had this cool like old school battleship. They did um, that Revival has. I hope we still have some heads left, but they'd, they'd make like vinyl patches for your drums and everything oh, to go cool. over over you just you could just either buy the heads from them they'll do it themselves or you could buy an actual patch to just slide over your head oh wow look at that it almost kind of looks like kind of like tattoo art yeah. or like uh, J- uh richie could probably weigh in and like the, like that kind of koi fish japanese or like asian art pattern wood burning yeah, it's really cool looking, and I dig the cutout or the cut down shell sizes. And I want to say again, he told me that he like took the bass drum and it was converted from a floor tom. Um, and I think he did a custom riser for that. I think I've got another shot. There is the man himself sitting behind the kit, nice. Josh B. Um, a really cool looking, um, you know, kind of standout kit. What you know, highly personalized, but I think it came out. Super nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I wish I had some more pictures. Um, I just, there was so much we had to get through today that I had to cut everybody's pictures down because I just ran out of space here on the uh, on the switcher. But um, again, a very good job done by Josh. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it really is great. nice. Thank you, Josh, for um, for sending that in. So rustic. Um, so that is all of the Vera stuff now that we're caught up in for the week. <laughs> it's only been an hour and 15 minutes it took us just to get the house cleaning done. Um, so 
Now we can get to today's main topic with Derek. Um, before we do, any housekeeping in the comment section that we need to do? Let's see. Um, and then Rich Hammer says, yes, the brand, they're similarly like Vader. David Bygum says, I love Pearl Drums and have been playing them since 2011 and couldn't ask for a killer drum and servers from an amazing company. The President Series looks awesome and sounds killer. Um, it does. Uh, I was real surprised they had Ray Luzier, or however yeah. you say his last name, show off those kits. I was like, the drum for corn. Yeah. Um, but they do. I mean, the old stencil kits and basically what they modeled all those new Pearl presents after. They have it's it's Luan, which if you don't know what Luan is, it's basically Asian mahogany. Um, it has a very low pitched, thumpy kind of sound. So I would imagine for what he's doing, that would probably fit in nicely. Obviously, he's probably not going to be touring with something like that, but it's still close to what he's probably going after. And guys that are a big fan of those old 60s stencil kits are going to go crazy over these anyway. It's got the old logo, the pigtail logo. Again, if I had the space, I would have ha loaded up a bunch of pictures, but I don't. Um, I just think it's cool that they're taking, like, for their 75th anniversary, they didn't put out what I was expecting, like some, like, multi-thousand dollar special edition kit or like they did on the 50th that gold-plated snare drum, they just decided, well, let's just make all the vintage stuff that they love, introduce the stave snares. And so I think it was a cool direction they took instead of doing what most people would do for a Jubilee anniversary. Yeah, let's let's make something that only a few people can afford that we're only going to make 20 of anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I've noticed and I saw it was commented in one of the, uh, the drum restoration groups I'm in. Um, they're like, going through, like, all this MIJ stuff is blown through the roof. Yeah. It's like it's become expensive now. Like guys are going after, like majestic that kit that you yeah, used to have. Used to like, be cheap. You could pick it up anywhere, and now the market for made in Japan or stencil kits from the '60s and '50s are just like that's the thing. Yeah. But the 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 vintage market has just blown up here in the past what two years. Yeah. Like it was getting good, but now it's like guys are just like hmm. they have to have vintage, and it seems like they even want even more the cheaper vintage. Not the high dollar Ludwigs and Gretches that everybody used to go for. They want because I guess that lo fi kind of rustic drum sound Maybe. is in so much right now that they're wanting that. Um so yeah, I think Pearl did a good job kind of chasing that trend with what they're doing right now. Um That's so, cool because that at least shows that the company's paying attention to what's going on. I mean they're you know, like like we say all the time these days, there are no bad drum companies. Right. But I would still rank um, Pearl up there in the top five with the quality and what they do. Now, you know, we know they make good drums, but what they put out as far as, like, what the guys want to play, they've always been really good about that. Right, consistent. Yeah, oh, super consistent. They, However many years ago they, they introduced that lifetime, I think it's after 2010, they have a lifetime warranty on the hardware now, so as long as you don't, like, obviously abuse it, it doesn't matter. Send it back and you get a new one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Check your internet uh, strength for the stream. Oh, let's see. Are we? Uh, I'm getting buffering on. I'm my showing side. excellent connection. All right, cool. Um, I will check the connection meter on the Streamlabs, but again, I maybe think maybe it's your it iPad. Nope, stream quality is good, so we should be good to go. Um, it might just be my iPad. Um, and okay. there shouldn't be anything else. You're not running off my Wi-Fi. He's not running. No, I don't think no. anything's running off of Wi-Fi. So. Just want to check, make sure. Yeah. Um, 
So any other comments before we get into Mr. Derek Fountain? I'll be really quick. All right. So Richie says the word is called Sashimono, um, and it's fitting wood together without nails. If you walk into original castle here, it's apparent in the beams. That's why I am such a Japanese nerd. I love you. Call me a weeb. It's fine. Oh, I their, their styles of manufacturing are amazing. Why Toyota is hardcore. <laughs> Suck it, Ford. <laughs> um, and then, let's see. Mark said, paid two twenty five for my sixty six star kit. Um, David says there's a Spencil Japanese kit from the sixties that's in good condition and only for three fifty used. And I've been debating about getting it. I'm not sure yet because I don't have room for it at the moment. There's always room. There's always uh, there's room always for room. more. <laughs> there's always room. If you, take, if you have to take the lugs off, put inside a box, and then put the bags inside a bag. You're, you're covered. There's always room. Um, sh- David says the stream is better now. Cool beans. Um, David says I bought a stencil kit for thirty bucks. Stay tuned. Ooh. There we go. Very and nice. then Richie says I want to visit the Yamaha factory soon. Expect some pics. You better. You better, my friend. We will come over there and haunt you if you do not send us pics. Um, so thank you everybody for the comments so far. We will get back to those, but now we got to get to the reason we are here today. Mr. Derek Fountain, legacy founding member of Bearded Drums, multi-talented, multifaceted artist on many fronts, digital, audio, uh, <laughs> so many levels. Um, so I know that I met Derek, I can't, I don't know how old I was. I'm sure I was under the legal drinking age. Well, it's probably before it mattered because I would have just been another little rat coming in the store bugging y'all about something <laughs> I couldn't afford. I'm not that old. I only but, got you by like a but year. But you have been working. You started working that store very young. Yeah, I was not like fifteen. Yeah. 16. So if you were fifteen, I was. How old are you? Uh, uh, Forty. So yeah, I would have been fourteen. So right. I would have been bugging you before I had money. But I was only there part time for a while, and then yeah, Jim had like let me go, and then I came back and part time, and then it just became full time thing. Well, and like like we said earlier, Derek worked at the cool music store. They actually had gear. They actually had sticks. They actually had cymbals. And I remember the first professional piece of gear. You don't know this, or you might not remember this. The literal first professional piece of gear I ever got was because of you. I came in that store, and John Blackwell, God rest his soul, at the time, um, was playing a Sabian 20-inch HH Leopard Ride, <laughs> which is one of the most distinct rides they've ever made, the way it looks and the way it sounds. I and y'all that. had one, and I could not afford it. And I had just done a, kind of started playing around town, little gigs here and there. And you and I was like, you know, I just I don't have the three hundred or whatever. And you're like, you know what, man, we'll start you a card. We'll <laughs> put you in the little member the little box. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the card and box. And you can just pay weekly, right. monthly, whatever it was. And we that knew was where the you first live. like the first piece of like real pro gear I ever got was because you were cool enough to go, you know, man, we got you. Right. We know where you are. You've been here for however many years shopping. People know you, you know, so you got, you hooked it up and I was like, I got it. I got the, you know, and I kept that symbol <laughs> for probably 10 years. Um, so that kind of started me off. Um, but that was kind of the whole thing is like, he probably caught the tail end of it just cause he's a little younger than both of us, but you were the one if you had questions about audio, lighting, especially guitar, because you're a guitarist, but that's why I have you on today, even drums. Right. You were knowledgeable about drums, and you could answer questions and give a valid opinion. I, I, I guess it's just always, I mean, I like drums. Drums are just cool to me. And then any drummer that came in, like Ray Hanser, whoever, um, 
I would just pick his brain and learn about stuff. And then I, I, it was in 2000 and uh, I think it was one or something. I think that's what it was. Uh, when Big Steve used to have the drum shop at Pinkston's and then he moved across the street, whatever, and him and Jim had a fallout and he, uh, we took over the drum shop and I think Big Steve ended up fizzling out or whatever. He d- did stuff at his house, all that stuff. But when he took it over, you know, we had to buy stuff and, you know, try to get deals on things and I loved it. I ate it up. So I was in there. I was like, oh, we could do this and get a kit and deck it out. And, and y'all stuff. did. But then, you know, just paying attention to people that would come in and just learning it i'm like that kind of with everything every time i pick something up i'm like i want to ask a thousand questions about it. i want to know everything about it you know and then just absorb it all well i remember um like to you know because there's one thing to know about what's a good brand of drums it's a another thing to be able to like suggest or you know say well this is the current trend or this is what might fit for this style of music i know plenty of drummers that are great drummers that can't tune their drums mm-hmm. so for somebody like you to be expected to know how to tune a drum is way out of the left field. I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but you know some of those bands that the, when we had the casinos, it was at the Grand. Um, it, it was oh, it was one. Of, it was a show band, and they went through like several different gen- genres of music. Yeah, and it was a little short guy came in, and he was an amazing drummer. He was super killer, and. I remember he had brought his snare drum in, and he was on the road, and we like cleaned it up and fixed it up for him, and I had tuned it for him, and he absolutely loved tuning. And I was just like, uh, getting my tuning drum badge right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing that because this dude who's a killer drummer said, <laughs> I did a good job on tuning the snare drum, so I was like, I got this. Well, this to is, further awesome. and emphasize that point, um, if I go to Derek's shot, Derek, point to it right behind you, the uh, yellow Mapex. You can turn. Um, this yellow kit, known locally as the famous... Bumblebee kit because it is a bright yellow <laughs> kit with town. black hoops. Um, it's just a Mapex like Venus series or V, whatever it says on the. I think it says uh, yeah, V series. V series, like literally the cheapest thing that they made at the time. That uh, we had a red one when I was tuning that guy's. I drum seen in there. A, a, the only other kit like that I've ever seen in my life was a red one in Lake Charles, but it is an 18 inch kick drum, odd sizes, eight inch tom, 10 inch tom. 12 inch floor tom and a 12 inch by five snare drum is it by five yeah 12 inch by five it's it's over somewhere. okay 12 by five so really weird sizes and you would think such small sizes are a no-go i remember coming into that store one day during the sarah days during the sarah b yep. days you had taken that kit and i mean decked it out all brand new emad on the batter remad on the resonant all ec2s on the top ec2 clears all uh, Evans resonant on the bottom and a Evans dry on the top and an Evans like so it's nothing but like y'all spent a couple hundred dollars with brand new Evans I might have did that when I had it well either way y'all made that kit as small as it is sound amazing and I remember back in the day going well how did you tune it and you were like man just press enough to get the crinkles out of the heads because they're small toms, so you right. don't have to crank them up. And it sounded like a 20-inch kit right. as opposed to a very tiny 18. And that kit, I'll show it again, um, is such a cool little kit that I've taken out a couple times since getting it from you just to hold here at the house. Um, such a cool kit. Sadly enough, that kit technically belongs to a friend of mine. Yeah. 
that I think he worked like he'd come up to the the store and Jim used to have a fish tank and he'd clean his fish tank and he'd get like credit and yeah, he ended yeah. up buying that drum set. And, I and then it ended up with he ended up going to like Perk at the community college and uh, somebody else ended up with a kit and he had asked me he's like hey can you go pick up that kit and, yeah, yeah you know because his his grandpa he got the kit because his grandpa used to play in the Dixie Swing Band at Boomtown mm-hmm. if you remember that if you ever went on like Sunday brunch it was like four <laughs> old guys that walked around he had a little snare that he picked up and had the guy with the the upright bass and they sounded killer a trombone player and a banjo player that's oh nice. Was. And they were killer, and his his grandpa did that. And he and I can't tell you how drums. many drummers from around here um, have had custody. <laughs> I've had custody of that kit. Richie has had custody yeah, of that Richie kit. Pat McGinley has had custody of that kit. <laughs> Mark, that played for Sarah, didn't have custody but played it. Right. You had custody. Um, anybody Hugh, else? Hugh had it, didn't he? Well, did Hugh have no, it? No, Hugh had it for a little while. Right. So, like, this drum set has passed between six or seven different drummers, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. <laughs> a couple of the guys almost ruined the kit. I think Hugh had to repaint the hoops at one point. I saw I it. you repainted the well, hoops at one that point. Well, no, that was, like, seven years ago. Then I saw it. Um, when you got it back from Richie, when Richie left for Japan and it needed love again because it was missing some parts and it had mismatched heads. And now it's got G2 clears on everything. It's got an EMAD on the kick. Um, it's back to playing condition. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, a super cool kit. But um, I asked you to send me photos. Oh, um, yeah. So y'all want to talk about Derek. I mean, oh, well, he doesn't really know. This dude knows a lot about <laughs> drums, and I'm going to show you the kit that Derek actually purchased. It was a, um, it was a steal of a deal. It was a steal of a deal, probably because you worked at the store that it um, that it was at. But this is the kit that Derek had, which Derek it was a Star Classic. Something I, I sent you the certificate of authenticity because I oh, okay. Uh, get, it's I'll, been I'll, that long. I couldn't remember. What so it, was. it looks like it's eight. Or oh, that was eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen. The fourteen, sixteen were hanging, which is awful. Yeah. I would never do that ever uh, again. Yeah, I agree. And then, of course, five and a half by 14 and a, um, what is it, 18 by 22? Is that right? Is yeah, that yeah. standard? Yeah, yeah. St- Tama was always the deep, um, right. the deep bass drums. But, you know, and then he's got the mashing, uh, the matching um, protection racket bags, so you took care of it. Right. It was a yeah, killer it, sound. It, that kit. got around, too, to a couple of drummers. Well, that sat at the practice space, didn't uh, it, for a long time as well? Yeah. Um, um, Devaney's old practice yeah. spot and, and i used it on a bunch of recordings it's what i originally wanted to get it for was to set up in like a studio and mic it up and have it just sit there and, and it was, was a be- it. i mean it, i mean that's that's yeah. star classic being one of the highest levels you could get from Tim. right and that was a it was uh back when um when they were doing nam shows and tom would always do like a limited kit and it was a one of a hundred yeah and i have that right here so yeah limited edition curly maple Seven piece something or other. I can't get to see that. Yeah, far. And, and 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 Mr. Uh, Hoshino actually, you know, signs them. And it says somewhere there's only like a hundred or. Yeah, it, it was one out of a hundred. I'd have to. I can't see it from here, but. Yeah, but a Star um, Classic Reserve. But I got it because they had like six of them left. They didn't sell all of them at the Nam Show for whatever reason that year. Maybe nobody liked that green color that year. I loved it. I thought it was awesome, and it was. Uh, it was like a ten thousand dollar kit or something like that. Maybe that's what retail was or something. Yeah, you could get it for seven, and they had it. Uh, Jim could get it for it was like right at two or a little under two. Yeah, thousand dollars, and I think that's what I got it for because I was like, well, well, it's got like you can see the curly maple right. and a really pretty stain, and then all the drums had that inlay right running down the center. The, the cool thing I sent you one. I don't know if it's on there. That there was a tom in the porthole. 
It's normally like a little metal ring. It yeah, the like grommet. A, it, the grommet was a wood. Oh, I thought it was rusted. No, it's wood. Oh, see, I thought it was rusted. That was the picture I left out because I ran out of space, and I'm like, well, I don't want to show a rusted grommet on the top. No, that was a wood grommet yeah, on the top. Gr- all of them wow. had wood grommets. Yeah, like, I mean, and again, swanky. just like Pearl, whether you like them or not, I typically don't like the the general tone of Tama drums. That is some of the nicest drums you can purchase, even today. Right. Um, I, I had, wasn't a huge fan of the Maple, but like I always liked their um, oh their Birch. Bobingo. Or their, their Bimbinga Birch was yeah. always really nice. Um, and I, I like had a Star Classic Maple. No, I had a Star Classic Bobinga Birch at one point. Got rid of it because at the end of the day, I didn't like the general tone of the kit. I will still admit, build quality and how nice it was, that was probably the second nicest drum set I ever owned. Like, it was super nice. Tama puts out a really good right. product, whether you like them or not. And, you know, I guess I got latched on a Tama because that's what we sold. We sold Mapex. Y'all pushed a lot of Tama. We, we did of Sonar Tama. for a minute. Um, well, we, he was, you know, Hoshino was Tama and Ibanez. Yeah. And he y'all, was, a, y'all seem like it was like a lot Ibanez of Mapex dealer. and Tama. Right. That was we our did have Yamaha, ones. but a lot of Mapex. Well, yeah, and we did Yamaha for a little while. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I think we bought more of some of the other stuff sometimes because of the, the, um, the dealer that would come through the, the rep, yeah. the rep that would come through. And that was, um, well, I guess in the long run, if you were to sum it up over your entire, this is a tough one career at Pinkston's, what would you say was probably the most popular brand of drums that you sold while you were there? Ooh. Popular. Hmm. Like, what did you sling more of? It was, I'm, I'm sure it's probably either Mapex or Tama. Um, we probably actually slung more of the Mapex stuff because of a price point, because Jim was really big on trying to find that magic price point for everybody that, that he would sell more of, obviously. Um, and, and to me, Mapex was always that budget-friendly. They were like a good drum kit, but they were b- slightly budget-friendly. Even though everyone has their level of everything, I think it was just a little easier to get into Mapex for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I remember they had an aluminum little bitty snare drum, like a piccolo snare drum, that was it was like 100 bucks or something. I owned one. Yeah. I owned one. It's like a 13 by 3 or something. And they sounded good for what they were. And we got into the Black Panther stuff yeah. and started carrying all that. One of his but favorite snares is a black, uh, uh, not a Black Panther, a brass mask. Just out of all of them, unless you got into like the better tier Yamaha, to me, the, the, the quality of the Tama drums, just like when you unpack them on the inside, it's so yeah. nice and smooth and sanded. And I just always felt that their quality was a little better than Yamaha or the what at least what we had of the, the Mapex and everything. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's, it's kind of what you like. True. But and that's I mean, how I got stuck on them. And yeah. then when they told me about the factory, like the factory's like immaculate and these, you know, how they make them, it's just you could probably eat off the floor and all this stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, kudos to them on that. So Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, um, I think that's generally the Japanese way is right. super clean, super efficient, super I really consistent. like that. I think yeah. I should move there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> move over, Richie. I'm coming to stay with you. That's right. He's probably um, like, come on, I've been waiting for you to come for years. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all also, you know, like I said, y'all were one of the cool stores because y'all actually had gear. You know? Right, well, you know, oddly enough, Jim just let us kind of go what we wanted to do with the drum shop. So we would we would talk to the reps and everything, and we knew we had Sabian for a really long time, and then we wanted to get into Zildjian, and we finally got Zildjian. And then um, we had got Vic Firth for a while. I remember Vic Firth called the store. I remember that at one point in time to thank Jim for we bought like you know the, the you mean big, Vic yeah yeah like actual Mr. yeah oh. yeah yeah Mr. Firth yeah 
called the store. I guess what, wherever we got the Vic Firth, you know, the big drum rack thing, maybe we had two of them. Yeah. I can't remember. You did. But we stocked a lot of Vic Firth because that was a big thing. Like, the good thing about drums and being at the store is, you know, the drummers are always going to take um, the accessories. I mean, you can have like five drum kits, and as long as you got a million accessories, you're going to get every drummer um, to come in and do that. Y'all always distract. Y'all, me. well, no, but y'all, y'all had great rep. I do remember a lot of reps coming through your store right. for microphones, for guitars, for right. y'all, y'all. But that was what made y'all the cool store was y'all cared what the guys wanted. You would you would actually order it if they needed it, and like unlike a guitar center nowadays or like music stores that typically just do band like. There was Yamaha, there was Tama, there was Mapex, right. there was Zildjian, there was Sabian, there was Vicfirth, there was Promark, there was Evans, there was Remo, there was LP out the, and then later on toward the end there, y'all got heavy in the minors, so right. you had every tambourine you wanted, right. every piece of Latin percussion, um, y'all were stocked with, right. y'all ran a good drum shop, y'all really did, right. um, which made, that's why, you know, it was the cool store. Because yeah, I started going to Pinkston's, let's see, this would have been... 2010, 11-ish. I graduated in 13. Okay. So that was whenever I started going. Were you there? Mm-hmm. I left in, uh, what? was it 14? It was January. I think it was January 14. Yeah. Because I remember Steve was telling me, when did everything, oh, sorry, when everything changed, because I remember I was there and the drum section was like kind of small and there's like three or four kits and then like a little small bit my, of cymbals. Yeah, when did it go from the right-hand side? To and the that was smaller? my favorite one. It was on the right-hand yeah, yeah, that side. Yeah, that's what I remember. I when did y'all switch from the right-hand oh, to the smaller? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I mean, it wasn't long. It was probably... Um, it had to have been like 08 or 09 or something like that. I think it went over to the left because you used to have acoustic guitars over there. Yeah. And then we kind of built that little section that we put all the cymbals in. Yeah. And then the drums were out. And then the whole back wall was nothing but accessories, the yeah. vinyl and the Gibraltar stuff. And, and again, that's y'all had every Gibraltar piece you could need. Well, you know, the good thing is, is if you just listen to your customers that come in and be like, oh, man, it'd be cool if you get this. Okay, well, I'll open the catalog, I'll order it. Yeah. And Jim was cool enough to let us do that. So Yeah. Um, it's sad that that, that place is gone now. Um, obviously, there was nothing know, that could like be done a about shopping it. Shopping strip now. Well, but nothing Crazy. could be done about it. He passed away, but right. now we have nothing. Right. Like Tony's Believe now passed away, so <laughs> Magnolia's gone, and Mississippi is a band music store. Right. They they do orchestral and they do marching right. bands, so they're not going to cater. So now it's like most of the people in the I don't country. I've talked about you know opening up a store, but it's just it's so expensive to get yeah, cause, started. Because you did the math with Steve would end up like to have a, a true yeah music well, store. Well, he- Heather did the um. The business plan, like, and, and most of the banks we went to, because we were really serious about it, uh, they were like, oh, this is an amazing business plan. and and But we didn't know that they, we were really conservative with the numbers. Like, she was like, doing, this is ju- just to get by, like, we'll break even if we do this. And I didn't know going to the banks, we both didn't know that. They took that and tried to make it more conservative. And we were like, no, 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 that's already as conservative as you can get. Yeah. And you, even what they did was still slightly would have been, you know, Almost breaking even, so they were like, "Wow, it's okay." This so, is really good. if you were to throw out a number today and not being conservative because you know they're going to take that number and come down right. anyway, what would you say would just be a, a round guesstimate of what you would have to have to start a proper music store if you were to do if, it right if you, now? If you did a full line music store, 
um, if you just found like a place to lease and not actually buy, because we were looking at to buy, I think I still think you're gonna you're gonna have to minimum be at like half a million, three hundred to half a million easy, just to start a lease and get some stuff because it's everybody's like, well, why don't you start small and then you can get some little things, and I'm like, because you can't compete with the internet if you go, I'm gonna buy two guitars and one drum set, you you might as well order it off the internet because you're going to get it yeah. cheaper than the dealer's going to give it to you because you get the breaks when you buy in bulk from the, the, the dealer. So that's the... So it's kind of that go big or go home right. kind of situation. We were pushing when we were doing it because we found a building, we wanted to buy the building um, because ultimately that's cheaper than renting in the long run. And if the business didn't work out, then you could just sell the building. You know, we yeah. put a fire suppression system in it. Maybe you could turn it into a restaurant. So you fix up the building. You got a nice building. You put all the gear in it. And if you sucked at doing the music store, well, it uh, it was trying to be security for the bank. Well, the building's in good shape. Just sell the building and get your money back. Well, and I um, think y'all were going the right route. Um, what they wanted to basically do was not do like most music stores locally that you see, where it's white slat wall, a bunch of stuff on the thing, and come on in. Like you right. wanted to build. We, the, we were modeling it after Chicago Music Exchange. Yeah, and I, I don't At least say, the look of it. You yeah. know, like I don't want to say boutique, but like well, couches right. to hang out. Carpets nice and, nice presentation on the wall, like shelving to, right. to showcase the instrument. Y'all were going to go the right route. Well, and I wanted, if I did it, I wanted a place that people would come hang out. Yeah. Because that's what I miss out. about Pinkston's is just being behind the counter and talking to people. I would come in on Friday or Thursday at like 3 o'clock knowing I wasn't going to get out of there till 6, knowing I only was going to buy a pair of sticks. Right. You know, it wasn't about the sticks. It was, I'm going to see Derek. I'm going to see right. Dave. I'm going to see Josh. Of course, Jim's going to come. Hey, man, you're going to see him at some point. I'm going to see two other drummers yeah, come in the door. Up. Are you going to buy something? Yeah. You come know, on, man. The guys coming in for their weekly stuff, for their gigs for the weekend are going to pop in. So you, you can't. Pinkston's was one of those stores that you didn't. You could, It wasn't 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out. It right. was you got there at 3 and you knew it was going to be 530 before you got out of there. Right. Because then George comes up the back and he wants to say hey and then. You know, right. here comes Eric Porsche. It was like, fun. Yeah, it was. It you know. really was. Uh, um, what, what might be a dead, or dying part of the local music store industry now. Right. Um, except for, I think, I think it'll come back one day. But well, you, I think you have to do it the way you were talking about right. doing it. You model those stores after. Chicago Music Exchange after Memphis Drum right. Shop. I'm, I'm naming drum shops, but it's right. the same kind well, of thing. Well, to me, it was it was the if you will the, the Steve Jobs mentality of. Um, I always compared it to like if you go to an Apple store, it's just amazing to walk into an Apple store because it's all glass and they got all the stuff. Yeah. There's nothing there that you can't do or buy online. Yeah. There's no point of going to the store, but when you go to the store, it's an experience. Yeah, it's the experience. But and that was the whole idea with the music store is great customer service, have a hangout area. If we were going to do it and I've had enough room, do like a nice little bougie coffee bar, you know, so people could have like a water or a little coffee yeah. while you're sitting and chatting at the at the the sticker string counter, you know, yeah. and just sit there and chat for a little while. Because it's uh, Jim to a degree hated that because then people were taking up your time. You weren't answering the phone. You weren't doing something else. But it's but if you went somewhere else and somebody's like, "Man, I got to go pick up some." Hey, man, you just need to go to Pinkston's. Yeah, and it would have paid off in the long run because you built those right. relationships. But I didn't finish. We were we were pushing. Um, we were pushing a million. We we're like eight eight hundred thousand. I was going to say eight. Yeah, I think that's what we were pushing to like buy the building and then have like 500 grand. I think the building was somewhere like 250 or something because the worst part about music gear is 
It's big stuff. Yeah. You've got to have space to put it. And then you got to have a warehouse to save boxes. And if you have something in the box, then you got to, you know, it's it's very expensive to do. So you got to have a large space. And like you, we were looking at like a, I don't remember what that building was. It was maybe like 6,000 square feet. But I mean, you really, to do a, a nice music store, you really need to, you're pushing almost seven to 10,000 square feet. Yeah. You know, which that's, if you rent that, it, it, that's that's expensive. Like you said, it's easier just to buy right. the building. So I would say if, if anybody's out there, they have a um, a music store that they like, go, that they like, go support them because yeah. it is, it's, it's a expensive. dying breed yeah. and it's expensive for them. And, and you not want kidding. it. You know, you and know. if they're doing like a map pricing, like matching the internet, just go get it from them. Yeah. If they have it, you know. Yeah, they do. And the, which if you're alive today, you're going to be price matching. Matt Price right. exists for a reason. Right. Um, you know, so, I mean, if anybody out there wants to open a music store, it's right there straight from Derek's mouth. All you need is $800,000. <laughs> yeah. If you got that laying around, you know. Come on, it's, man. It's... Um, so that kind of takes us through, you know, your career at the store. But also, like I mentioned earlier, you are a professional musician. You spent many years gigging, and you are one of, I mean, I, I get tired of saying it because I'm like, well, Derek's my favorite photographer. Well, Derek's my... Well, you are one of my favorite guitarists. Oh, well, that's cool. Because um, you. you played that style. I, I kind of loosely consider it like an R&B style. Right. Typically a clean tone. Typically a lot of those guys play PRSs. And it's not like wailing, distorted. You know, you played, right. uh, you know, the style that I like to hear. And I was lucky enough to gig with you for at least three years with Sarah. Right. Um, off and on with all the different drummers she had. Um, you know, so I know you've got, you know, you, you obviously know enough about the drums that you've got a valid, valid opinion. You and, owned great drums. Right. And I was probably the hardest person on a drummer in a band. Yeah. Um, Tell me more. But, well, I'll say that's, yeah. that, that, yeah, that brings me to this point. So <laughs> let's get into, because this is going to be this, this section and then one other section I know Jarrett's got some questions on. Okay. Um, like, what are some... And you can go either direction, either some pet peeves that you don't like to see drummers do or the the opposite, like things you love to see drummers do, whether it be actually playing the music or dealing with the, the, the preparation business side of being working with a drummer. Um, ooh. I, my number one thing is, is you, you have to have groove. It's got to feel right. That's it, hands down, at least for the style of music that I've, was playing mostly, which would be mainly with Sarah. Um, R&B-ish. Yeah, it was an R&B pop. Say, yeah, you know, I, I don't know it, who that Sarah person is. Um, um, she's a piano player from... from the, she um, still plays around here, uh, Sarah B. Um, great piano player, but it was like R&B, modern R&B, poppy yeah. R&B, um, pocket-oriented. Everything was pocket-oriented. That's just how she played the piano, and that's how I played the guitar, and we'd get people who played the drums that just sat in that pocket. But I, I, I have a... An, uh, an instance where we had, and do you remember Ian who worked for a short stint at the music store? Horrible. <laughs> yeah, come on, All right, I'm going to give him some kudos because he was he, he was a really nice guy. He was one of those guys that talked like he was 23, 25, and he's done more things than you 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 can't be alive for that long and have done that many things. Yeah, it's what it always felt like, and that type of thing. Um, but oh, where was I going with this? He, he was a really good drummer. He was mainly like a rock metal drummer, and he had chops for days. It was really great. And he, Sarah, we got him to play with us a couple of bars or whatever, and um, she had an album at the time. He got the album. She did it in London. She she was, had a few record deals and stuff like that. Oh, sweet. 
Um, she never quite made it, like made it to like here, but never quite over. Yeah, it's tough. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's so terrible. Um, I have to get you a copy of that stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Um, so, anyways, he learned those tracks verbatim, like beat for beat. She didn't really play them that way, but if the drums went that way, she'd kind of go with it. And I mean, he played it perfectly like the album, but it it <laughs> it didn't have the feel. Yeah, like it was just it didn't have the pocket. It didn't sit right. And it, that's when I really learned that just kind of blew my mind that it doesn't really matter if you play every note for note perfectly. If it, and at least in a band situation, at least in that type of situation, that are you going to do that the whole time? <laughs> He's making fun of me here. Um, in the, at least in that situation, if that that pocket's not there, I just I, I don't even it, it sucks. It feels terrible because I really felt like I was more part of the rhythm section than anything else when I'd play guitar. Like, yeah, lead's cool and all, whatever, who cares? But I like I wanted to play with the rhythm section yeah. and like jam and catch the right groove or play off a little bit and see if the drummer picks it up and we do some things together would be really cool. But uh, Well, we've talked about that here when we did the uh, street versus uh, right. yeah. book. I remember that. You know, like a- having good pocket... Being able to fit in with the band is so important. So that's the the guy I was talking about earlier that attuned to snare drum that was in the show band. To me, he had that perfect blend of both. He had because when we went and saw him, he gave his tickets to the grand to go watch him play, and he was like way up on this riser. And of course, he had his sheet music right off to the left of him, and he was killing it. And he just you know turning the page while he's playing and killing it. So he had to me, he had all of the. He had the main package. He was Taurus was his name. I just it popped oh, in my wow. head all of a sudden. Um, but he he could read. He had chops. Everybody else had groove. And I was just like, ooh, you don't. I just don't feel like you find that many folks that have all three. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole time. package obviously is so right. It's hard to come by. And it's very and no offense at all, because uh, I don't get me wrong. I love marching drummers and the whole bit. I always felt that sometimes the marching guys didn't find the pocket usually like they they were too focused on reading or the the rudiments and uh, it, the book if you will yeah because yeah, it's, it's a different mindset when you come from marching music to playing um just any like band or groove based music i mean yes even though i'm playing cheesy poofs there is a groove to it but it's right. it's more on the Ten class, but when everything is all lining up, I mean, playing right. I mean, playing flam accents with moving a diddle around for sixteen bars is not going to sound the most fun. But there, but there is a groove to it. But it's it it grooves differently, right? Yeah, I agree. So, so it's less more about like you know, well, when hearing, you're when you're in a marching band, and you're yeah. playing with you know twenty other people. Uh, way more than twenty. Well, well oh, d- maybe at your school. I don't know how many <laughs> oh. we had back then. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry, man. My let senior me, let year, me dust our, off my two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, my senior year. I think our drums got a two at at at, at, at um. Yeah, it's, that, we all that, got that ones hurts. in the drums. That yeah, hurts. It, it did hurt. It did, it, and that they hurts. were real mad about it. But they, um, uh, anyways. But it, yeah, you're right. When when that many people all line up together and it creates a groove, that's just something totally different. And it's amazing to me when that happens. When you get all the drum guys doing that, and you got to. But work it's different with when you're by yourself on a kit. Yeah. You know? Oh well. Yeah. The, yeah. You're because I think some marching show. guys try to apply that group setting to just a kit, but you're by yourself. So to me, it's like it's a different feel to it. And and what I've, at least from like my marching perspective, everything like you lose 
a little bit of the goobus because you're you're used to playing in a high energy environment for no less than nine minutes straight, and that's and you're like you're everything, and it's even though they might have a ballad section in the show, I mean you're still counting like this or whatever. Right. It doesn't stop. You're counting. There's might be intricate parts you're playing with different uh utensils to have a different sound across the field and everything but it's it's a very highly active because you're still marching around doing everything sure. so i think the the translation of cause, dropping. oh uh, i had i i was over at a full ride to uh to mobile college I would have been principal percussionist freshman year. Oh, nice. Yeah, turn that down real quick. I'm like, if I'm the best guy walking in, I don't want to be here. I, <laughs> I have nowhere to grow. It just misses me. The, one thing I do regret is not attempting to drive for DCI. I wish I would have done that. I'm it's most tough. depressed about that. I, at least I just yeah. wanted to, I should have just At least you're tried. lucky enough to go to a school that offered marching band. I went to a stupid Catholic school that didn't even have any kind of music <laughs> program. I wouldn't have made it to a school if it wasn't for band. And all my friends that at the time will attest, I was band nerd i was band geek i was there in the morning practicing my trumpet they all hated it oh look there's Derek practicing his trumpet Ooh, kiss kiss but you know or whatever i was like well that's, i got first chair and sure. i got all the solos my senior year so ah, yeah you know well y'all are lucky that it was even offered because i didn't even get to yeah, see sucks. any of that stuff till 10th grade when i went to gulfport high then i finally was like oh there it is there's the thing they've been doing it since fifth grade right. <laughs> i'm over here like yeah you know Playing in a Gata Davida in the in the bedroom of this very house we're in right now. That's all I knew. Like you know, so I was always ten steps behind. So um, you know, um, now, and I know you have some stories relating to this. Oh God, some stuff that really, and this is probably good for anybody out there that is either just started gigging, maybe, or is getting to that point, like things that you shouldn't at all do. On a gig, I'm thinking of a specific Mark story oh. um, from oh, New God. Orleans. Oh. Um, what did we do in New Orleans? Huh? Uh, okay, so I'll tell the story. All right, um, yeah, Derek, you yeah. were with uh, Sarah, and uh, y'all were playing at some place in uh, in New Orleans. Like, I don't know if it was on Bourbon Street or not, but y'all, you remember you saying it was in New Orleans. Maybe it and y'all were out. doing the gig, Probably and it was uh, Mark and who was the guy that always ran with him, the bass player, Philip. Where, where, where the, where oh, that might have been a, the Tipitina's gig. When they start, okay, so y'all are playing the gig, and for whatever reason, if they were bored or they were ready to go, like y'all weren't finished with the gig yet. And I remember you telling me, Mark, while playing, started breaking down parts of the drum kit. Like taking oh, yeah. symbol. Well, he was a young kid, and something he was going to get in trouble if he didn't get home at a certain time. It was probably something, if I remember this right, I was thinking like that, but. Yeah, I, I, he did that like several times. I think, oh, I mean, because Sarah would go long yeah. typically, you know, especially as you got towards the end. And if we were grooving and jamming, she was just—it was more of a jam band, honestly, when we played with her. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he's done that. I remember him doing that several times, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? We're not done yet. Yeah, you got to wait till we. You no matter what what and the situation he was, is. He was a great pocket player, but you want to talk about overplay? I mean, it's like every. Every third beat, here was a fill. You know. 16th note triplets. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that, it just, it's just like, all right, that's old now. Okay. that's All right, that's the 11th time you've done that. Which I, makes I mean, me think know. about the infamous Continental gig. So the Continental was a club in Slidell, Louisiana mm -hmm. that Sarah played at regularly. 
Derek Were you there was, that night? Yeah, Derek was in the band. Shows the state I was Dar- uh, Sarah had <laughs> gone. I'll make this the front parts of the story short. Sarah had gone to Europe to do that album, right? And she brought back maybe not that. No, it was that drummer. That well, I'm gonna say not maybe not right after they finished, but anyway, right, no, at no, some point she on. brought back Petey. the drummer, the Petey, the drummer that was the studio guy when she cut He's that album. Pretty big over there now, I think. Yeah, at some point. Um, so they did a gig at the Continental shortly after in Slidell. And she's brought Petey back from Europe. Noonan was there. Well, but I'm just talking about really just the drummers. Okay. Oh, sorry. Petey had been brought back from Europe. Mark was there. I was there. So you had three drummers in-house for a four-hour just standard gig, three sets. And I remember, because I was the youngest one there and the least experienced, I was like, I'm not getting in this. I'm not going to get into it with these two because Mark was highly skilled as far as gospel. What? I think I remember it's just the yeah yeah. So yeah. Mark is like a gospel chops drummer with all these sixteenth note triplets, high yeah. you know high intensity linear right. fills, Beating and then the snot out of them. Petey being just a really good studio player right. who could do both, who could play right. the pocket but could also keep up with Mark. And I remember at one point during the night, toward the end, they were switching every song. And it basically became of a, a contest toward oh, the end of the could, night, which yeah. this is why I was asking about pet peeves. This is something you never do. You don't play for yourself. Right. You don't play as Jarrett to make me impressed out in the crowd or vice versa. You play for the artist. You play for the song. This is not what they were doing. They were trading off every song, and they were trying to see who could the fastest and like a bar and a half yeah. Maybe two and a half bar, like trying to throw the band off with right. these like linear. Who can fills. still keep the song going, but do like a so you know. And then the next song, well, here comes pity. And they're trying to one up each other, and. It just built and built and built toward this. Like you could feel the tension in the room. Sarah's getting aggravated because obviously they're screwing around. Right. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it just toward the end of the night, I was thankful I never got up and played because I was like, this is not what you want to be. There's a time and a place for that, you know. And I think, and that's something I definitely grew into is is learning to play the song is so important. The groove and look, if you got chops, it's great. I mean, I don't really care about that. Do you have? What was the guy's name? Um, I watched a lot of drum videos when I worked at the store. Um, was it was it Thomas Lang? Is yeah. that the guy? The Austrian guy? Yeah. He's yeah. the Arnold Schwarzenegger's of drums. Look, yeah. You're not going to top him as far as chops go. Maybe somebody does these days because it's been a while since I've watched the drum. But I don't need that during a pop ballad song. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't need somebody with a double pedal clove going... Over a 6-8 no. blues pattern. Like, that's right. not the time to do that. Why? I, I, I don't understand why people want to do that. Like, don't you want to make the song good? Don't you want to make the... The whole point is you want to make money, you want to book a gig again. So it's like you want to play for Well, like the you crowd said, there's a time for and it. And people want to dance. That's yeah. kind of the whole... It was the original point of a, at a band at some point was people just wanted to dance and have a good time. And that's where I go back to the groove has to be right. Yeah. If people aren't dancing, you're doing something wrong. And like then it, uh, you know, you wait for the drum solo to do that if yeah. you get one. Or and I even say with linear, really complicated, more than a bar fills. Or if you're in a prog rock band. But like even you know, with rock, Sarah, you, know. you could throw that fill out once every couple of two oh, or three sure. songs and she'd love it. to create maybe a little tension for the moment. And then it's like, oh, and then they landed at the end. And it's like, that's great. But right. doing it every four 
right. eight bars, and then drummers switching out just to try to piss on each other. Right. That's when it's like that's nah. like two guitar players going at it, and the volume just gets louder and louder. Yeah, and it was <laughs> and, it, and it got that way with them. You could see like they would be in Mark stand there like going. And you could see him like, what am, what am I going to do when it's my turn? Right. They switch I'm out. I'm going to do the, the same thing. You know, and it's yeah. just like, <sighs> You know, so I'm with you. Serve the song first. If you get yeah. the chance to throw a cool fill-in, do it. But That's, you know, I always relay that to um, the Mike Portnoy thing when I was just never a big Dream Theater fan. It just never clicked with me, whatever yeah. whatever the reason was. I don't know why. And But he, he had a lot of stuff where he was playing, like, really fast and it's super technical and whatever. That's all I really remember. But I remember watching him on some drum video. Maybe it was, what was the drum thing where they had the, it was a magazine. Maybe it was Drummer or Modern whatever. Drummer, Modern Drum. Yeah, that, that's what it was. I, it, maybe it was one of those. And he was in some Beatles cover band called like Colonel Mustard or something like that. And it was like Paul Gilbert and Mike Portnoy. And I don't remember who the bass player was. And maybe they had a singer. That's the most amazing I've ever heard Mike Portnoy. Because it was like this... It was Beatles songs, but he played them different, and it was this amazing groove. And I was like, "Wow, that guy's really good." You know, I know he's good in another aspect, but when the groove is serving us, the song or the groove, right? And now, if you're in Dream Theater, he is serving that song because yeah. that's just a different style, and I'm totally okay with that. That doesn't bother me at all. But it's when somebody like Mike Portnoy goes, is going to play a R and B pop song, but he's just bringing him as Dream Theater playing. Yeah, that doesn't. I don't understand that. It's the same way with, uh, you won't know who he is, but Jared will know, and y'all will know, Eric Moore, who is kind of the same thing. Chops master, linear fills, really fast all the time. And it, and it got to a point there where I kind of got tired of watching that stuff until I saw a video of him playing for an artist on tour where he couldn't do that. You know, he had to play the song. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, you sound so great. Not like your Insta with the Instagram videos are different. That's right. just you showcasing you but to see him in a real playing atmosphere it was like wow you're in the pocket you're serving the groove it sounds great and you're not having to you know there's none of that you know well, you know i think of i guess on a uh, a pop scale or whatever or just any of the last hit songs in you know the past 20 years or whatever has there ever been like a hit song on the radio that there was that going on no um, no the only time was that Jay-Z, um, the Jay-Z tune where they featured Eric Moore and uh, Tony Royster. Um, oh, I can't remember that. Oh, one. man. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. And it, it, it literally had two fills in it that were two bars, two and a half Gospel bar chop long. Thing or something. Like linear chop, and um, I can't remember the name of the song now, but that was about the only time I can remember a pop song actually including that thing. Right. Um, so you know, uh, but I mean, I, I just, I guess, I learned just, I really appreciate the groove, and I yeah. want it to be there. Like, uh, what song have I been stuck on lately? Is uh, Eric Clapton's "I Shot the Sheriff." Yeah, I'm obsessed with that drum groove for some reason, and I can't figure out if it's just the it's it's um, if it's the bass player and the drummer because I have a little trouble sometimes distinguishing the bass hit versus the kick drum hit depending on how the song is mixed. Um, but I love that groove, and I've never quite heard anyone play that the same way. Same thing with um, oh, what's the uh, ain't no sunshine when it rains. Yeah, ain't no uh, sunshine when she's gone. Um, no, but it's not that. It's the it's the other tune, the burner. Oh, use use me, use me by yeah, Will, yeah. Bill. That Withers. one. I've never heard anyone play that bass line and that drum line this 
like it's never how that's very interesting to me. Like I, I don't know, maybe y'all have heard somebody play that the way it is on the album. Hardly ever. Right. Hardly and ever. It's like it's an interesting group. It's like when people first learned the um Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover, the yeah. Steve Gadd, you know, bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, everyone is obsessed with that for a while, but it's like the more groovy stuff is Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with know. you. I'm um, serve, you know, serve the groove, serve the song. That's just where I am. I think that's where we get along because we like. Yeah, I never got into Galactic, but well, but I know, never like liked. I, I say it to this day because like I get mad when people ask me to take a drum solo. I don't like drum solos. Me? I don't uh-huh. want to take a drum solo. It makes me mad. Right. What I do like to do is if you get going and the bass player gets going and there's something starts happening, I want to play under you. And you could kind of consider it a solo, but I'm still just playing under you because I'm playing right. off of what you're doing. Right. I enjoy that too. Like I don't if, want the band the to stop and I have to go. Like, there's like a little triplet you can sneak in somewhere or something, and that's always really yeah. Or cool. mi- I, I'll mimic what you're doing right. far later, whatever it is. Um, that's that's, a, the that's way, a lot of fun to me. Yeah, and I think that's like you the said. The only we, drummer I know that gets away with doing all kinds of crap and still holding the groove is probably going to be Carter Beaufort. Well, that's a but whole that's a other, whole nother. That's a whole nother. He th- that Dave Matthews band is like its own thing. Yeah, it's not like anything. I mean, it's got a violin and a sax and a flute. You know, the, the, um, well, but besides the Dave Matthews, he's good. We've talked about this before. Right, he will go down in history as a Buddy Rich type name. I mean, he, yeah, he's like the most original. Well, I guess just that whatever that was. I don't even know. But I lo- I love listening to Dave Matthews, and I just listen to the well the fact that he plays. Um, I mean, I watched his, what was it, Under the Table and Drumming? Yeah. I watched that video uh, shamelessly more times than I ever <laughs> should have. Yeah. And I don't know why I watch, I love watching drum videos. Maybe That's it was fine. at the store. The only one I didn't like is like the Thomas Lang one. It was cool to watch, but like if Instagram was back then, he would have made tons of money. Oh, yeah. You know, with all well, We watched stuff. him the other night, and he's actually, we, we and it yeah. really wasn't about the drumming. It was just it was listening like, to him, him talk, talk with his yeah. accent and him talking about the drums. Like, it had nothing to do with, <laughs> we got this 12-inch thumb, and, uh, like, just listening to him talk was fun. I remember putting that on the store when, like, people would come in, and they would want to get on the drum set and show their chops. But, hey, have you seen this dude? So did yeah, you quit playing your drums because you can't do any <laughs> of that. Did you have to deal with that a lot, like a guitar center would? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to come in, especially... You know, it was guitar player or drummer. Bass players the only ones that really didn't yeah. like show off much or whatever. But a guitar player always wanted to be like, "I'm gonna play this song. I'm gonna play this line." It's just like, look at me. It's like, dude, we really don't care. Yeah, I'm. I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to get out. Here I would at be more impressed with somebody if they came in and just played a beat that was really sick or fat or yeah. a really cool groove on the guitar. Then I'd be like, oh, yeah. Now you're turning your head all of a sudden. But then it's yeah. If somebody's doing some, I always called it the Music Olympics. Yeah, you know, and I'm just—it's—it uh, it's, gets old, it and, really and as I get older, it gets worse and worse and worse. It's just like I don't really care for that. I want to groove. I want to if like, and that's not my test to a drummer. If I walk into a band and they start playing and I start doing this, it's gonna be a good night because to me, if the drums suck, everything sucks. True. That's why I'm the hardest on the drummer. The drummers are the backbone. They're the boat driver, the train driver. If they don't know the song or at least have a good groove, it sucks. I'm having a tar- horrible time. And that's happened more times than I care to think about. Is you get with a drummer, and no offense to him or anything like that. You know, maybe they were special, you know, like like uh, uh, Ian, who was at the music store for a while. No offense to him whatsoever. He was a fantastic drummer for a different style of music. Yeah. You know, and he could play that style of music, but to me it just didn't feel right. And I hate that because I'm telling you, he learned that part. 
exactly as the album, but it just didn't feel right. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that. How did he get the gig, by the way, if I'm ask? Because he was the metal guy, correct, in? Uh, he was the guy that used to work at the music store, and Sarah would go through drummers like crazy. She did, yeah. a lot. A lot of you drummers. Know. And, but a lot of the times, it was just... What was available. Right. Okay. Everybody else was gigging or something like that. Oh, we got to have a drummer for this night. This gig came up, and... Well, hey, I got the guy in the music store. Let's give him a shot, you know? We'll yeah, play yeah. him. And that's how it worked out, you know? But there's okay. been some drummers that just have sucked and some that, you know, nail it. I didn't feel like, like a special like, debonair about him or something. No, he had no debonair. <laughs> um, anyway, so. No, he was pretty cocky. Like, he, but he was, he was good, you know? I'm not going to ever deny that. But it was just a different style. It yeah. didn't gel well with what we were trying to do. Like, he could come sit in any time and he wouldn't know the tune. And. If she started because she would always start off on the piano, and within a couple of bars, yeah, you knew the feel. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. I was it swinging? Was it like a pocket R and B thing? Was it right. you know a bluesy feel? It was very obvious. What and to she me, was because I like that, it was it didn't seem that hard to me. But if you're just not used to doing that, I can see how that's a lot of trouble. Yeah, you know. Um, well, we've kind of touched on you know your music career in the store. We've now touched on you as a professional musician. Um, the last section I want to go to, and we're going to check the comments before we do okay. that, is uh, I want to talk about, and I know he has some questions because he, he told me previously he wanted Ooh. to ask you about, like videography and photography oh, dealing okay. with artists. Um, but before we get to that, do we have anybody, if y'all have any questions for Derek or just anything that we want to catch up on uh, there in the comment section? Let's see. Uh, back to the pencil kit thing. Mike said the biggest gripe with them was the thread pitch and the wood being brittle. But besides that, they're fun kits. Uh, David says, cool to know. And thanks. And that's cool, Richie. Uh, Mila Burns says, hey, Derek. <laughs> uh, then, hey, Mila. <laughs> right? That's funny. And then uh, Richie goes, hey, Mila. <laughs> and then Kyla, sorry, then Mila goes, hey, Richie. Um, and then we have Mark Whitman said, about to do a 10 by 8, 13 by 13, and 20 by 14 uh, with a 12 by 4 snare. That should be interesting. That's going to be a very f- funky sized up kit. Uh, Richie says the yellow kitty. And then he goes, I mean, kit, not kitty. <laughs> uh, That's right, the yellow kit. And then Richie said, when I was 15, Derek was an intimidating figure at the best music store around. He goes, I. He goes in a quote. It goes in parenthesis, parenthesis. He goes, "I worked at a crap music store." Uh, goes, oh, hey, d- d- you did not. You did not. You did not. He don't was at, say that. He was at music go around for they a little bit. Crap. They weren't crap. Don't say that. I wasn't there once. And was don't not. worry. Hey, it, I worked at the most unfun <laughs> store. Was Magnolia. So you worked at the cool store. I, I would say Music Ground was cool because that was where you found the cool little used gems. Right. This is only 80 bucks. This is 100 bucks. You know, I dealt with the store that really was like, you know, at least toward the end, was more band-oriented yeah. than drum. We did have a great drum department at one point, but it was more band-oriented. So don't say that, Richie. You you had a good job. Um, And then goes... It was all me, however, because Derek is the sweetest and most handsome of all. He goes, I love everything about the about the Tama kit, minus the hanging floor, Tom, but the wood color and shell inlay, dope. Spencer says, y'all still doing subscriber photos? Spencer, we never stop. Oh, yeah, I'm selling this one. Spencer, we never stop. You just got to make sure you email us or message me. I thought the- we showed something from Spencer. Didn't Spencer, weren't you the one that sent in the, the pallet drum uh, riser? Um, I'll go back to my. Uh, I'll go back to my. I want to say that was what Spencer sent in was the uh, 
Yeah, this should be Spencer. Correct me if I'm right. That's what you sent in, huh? Um, which we showed on early in the show. Maybe he just wasn't here for it. Um, so yeah, we've we've always never will stop. Yeah, doing <laughs> never <laughs> will stop doing those. Yeah, like Michael Jackson, don't stop till you get enough. That's right. Um, Groovy song. And then Hen, uh, then Richie goes, duh, I've got a spare room for any of you boys. And then he goes, coffee bar, yes. I've always thought it was crazy that spending thousands of gear didn't at all at least get you a chair to, <laughs> a to chill in for just a second. Um, um, Heather Fountain says, oh. uh, my pet peeve is laying on the symbols constantly. Just stop. <laughs> uh, and she's been around enough to have a valid yeah. opinion on well uh, she's always sitting in the audience and you yeah, know, yeah it's her sister so it's like it's sarah and heather are sisters oh, i didn't know that okay and so yeah. she's very thickens. yeah she's well that, that's how it all started <laughs> okay. i met sarah and then i met heather and you know they didn't have to get married um but uh, yeah she was very hard on everyone in the band if her sister didn't sound good you know and, and rightly so because if if she had a record deal and you're playing with her, whatever, you want the song to sound good. Yeah. If she got the record deal, you didn't. And But everyone always is like, oh, I'm taking the chick of the record deal. I'm going to do all this stuff. And it's Look like, at no, me. just play the damn song. No, I want her to call me back when she goes on tour. Be like, hey, you were so much fun to play with. How about you come play this again, but across the U.S. and then maybe a sit in Europe. Like, right. oh, that's cool. Like, what are you doing? I'm in Europe. What are you doing over there playing? <laughs> For no one. <laughs> Suck it, nerd. Uh, but that's, that's so true. <laughs> Uh, Richie says vamps over solos for sure. Then Mike said Chicago drum show. That is all. See you there. Derek can come too. Man, we would love to, God. my friend. That would be so epic. Mike, if someone just gave us five thousand dollars right now for both Stephen and I, yeah, we. I have a personal PayPal. If somebody wants to throw me a couple of thousand, we will take the cameras and we will go to the Chicago drum well, show. If if somebody has eight hundred thousand dollars laying around, we'll start a music store. That's right. <laughs> But that's it for uh, that's it for comments. Okay, um, so the last um, you know kind of section I wanted to get to because um, now that's what you primarily do. You are a professional right. video videographer, pro- photographer. Um, my personal favorite photographer. Um, the the pictures that y'all see. I wonder if uh, I don't have anything up actually right now. But uh, the pictures y'all see of us on the marketing cards at the beginning and the end of the show. Those pictures were taken by Derek. Um, Derek has taken most of the pictures of me professionally for Bearded Drums and taught me. Yeah, well, I mean, like. I love the bass drum heads. Those are are great. But everything I learned was from Derek. So that's what he does now. Like I said, he is a a professional photographer working for a major shipbuilding yard. He gets to hang out of helicopters and take pictures of battleships. He gets to strap four GoPros to a missile launcher tube. Well, yeah, well, outside of it anyway. Um, So, you know, he... I'm waiting to do that again. And then, obviously, he's done, on the side during all that time, taking pictures of a lot of artists around here, done videos for Sarah. Um, And I, like I said, I know you specifically told me a, a week or so ago that you had some specific questions for him about, like, videography or photography dealing with artists yeah hmm. do you remember anything or am i putting you on the spot now no you're <laughs> fine so like i know you're on you know instagram and everything and you're checking out all the cool kids and stuff doing things um i wanted to kind of like pick your brain uh, about like what you see out there like is it pleasing do you think there's stuff that like people could be doing better Cause like for example like Mike Malone in here has a YouTube channel like Stephen right. does 
and he does you know bits and things here and there um but like is there a way to approach like capturing someone playing there's like a certain angle it's flattering or it's like is there it's like is i don't know a lot about photography that's the one thing that right. always interests me is like are we talking you about taking pictures or doing videos or just both or either or whichever either one or. That, yeah like yeah. if somebody were just to be starting on instagram or youtube what are some general oh. and i'm you know obviously they don't go because there's a well, uh, I mean, that's I, a rabbit hole i don't, but what I don't are some, think i'm very good at i at, think you are at, and well I'm, you I'm saying at, at the instagram the, the thing or whatever i mean i don't really but it's still the, the angle is the same angle um, you know, yeah, I, I, it's really going to be specific on what you're doing though. Um, like if, uh, I would just take something for instance, like if we were recording somebody doing drums yeah. on the internet or whatever, I mean, uh, GoPros are awesome. That's a very inexpensive way to get in a camera and you, I don't know, you get any, any angle would probably be good. I mean, my angle is, is if you were, I always wanted to, I should try and think about an angle as if I was the viewer wanting to watch a band and I wanted to see a certain angle or it's either that or the view of what the drummer's doing. One of okay. Cause like, things, a, like for me, it's like, it's like the composition, I guess is that's like the, of, oh, okay. like, of, of composing this shot. Like, and I know you mentioned about GoPros. There's a guy that we, we kind of all listen to name, uh, Adam Tura, whatever. I can't pronounce his last name, the Orlando drummer. And he okay. absolutely hates GoPros. Okay, and I kind of and since you mentioned I mean, that, well, yeah, I mean they they're limited on what they can do, but I think for like budget friendly, those are really great to do. I mean, I've used them to record um, 3HG, the band that Steve plays in, for just like promo videos or whatever, because you can put four of them out, and you got a cut scene that you can go to, and you've got a couple like an A camera that's going to be this shot, or in a roaming camera, and then some GoPros just because you can hide them, you don't see them in the other shots, and then, oh boom, you know, it's you just put them somewhere so you can get some different shots, but. As far as composition, just in in general with photography, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't really know. It, it would have to be like to me specific, but it's you know I'd have to have a specific situation to tell you about composition for a certain thing because it's like are we doing like landscape or maybe a a person or a portrait or well since so since know. okay how about well I'll give you some so okay. since we're starting to get back into the old slowly in like the gigging scene like if you were going to try to like market yourself as like either a gun for hire as like or the band playing and say so someone's out there like hey we got our little you know jazz brunch trio we play at you know the local coffee shop like we try to get more gigs you know how what would you like maybe suggest to them that we think would be more to get them for like a promo, yeah, like make it look, look, make it look yeah, more EP professional. Or... Yeah. Well, you know, the the one thing to me is, for if you're going to do a promo, and you're going to film it, like video it, I would, I would honestly, I would take, I'd pick five songs, like the course of the song, something very quick you can do, maybe thirty seconds per song, pick five or six of them because most people are going to watch much longer than that, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would record. You know, with however you could, that you get a nice, good, clean recording, and record those courses to the songs, and just go one into the other, yeah. where it's like a, a two-minute deal. Record it, because, and then I would basically, I would lip sync the whole thing. Like I would get a nice big speaker, blast your recording, and you could do it with one camera. And if everybody just played along with it and did the same thing every time, you could take one camera, have somebody, a friend, could come do it, and I would, I would spend that whole length, and I would just film the drummer, the whole time. Then I would go film the singer, and then I would go film the guitar player and the bass player, 
and then I would I would edit all that together, and then I'd have one nice seamless music track that you could sync all the video to, and then just cut where I wanted to cut. You know, well, like I, I think that would make like you said, because when I did the video for three HG and just learning from beer drums, like really specifically what he just said, no more than thirty seconds hanging on each song. Right, that. The, the person booking the gig or the person wanting to hire you for the gig, they're not going to sit there and watch a 20-minute video right. to go, oh, well, I love the way he hits the snare. No. <laughs> 15 to 20 seconds of each chorus is a great way yeah, to do I just, it. I just want to hear how the band sounds. I yeah. wanna, I, I, oh, that'll fit in my club. I like you. You sound good. Let's book you. Yeah. You know, because they don't want to waste time doing that. Yeah. And then they're getting 100 bands, sending them stuff anyway. They don't have to, all day to be looking right. at EPs. Um so yeah, that that would be a. Or a if you have that, you know, on a website already, to just send them a link. Hey, go check out our website. If if you have a website, that would be great too. You know, websites are pretty easy to do and cheap. You know, you be as polished as you can to appeal to as many people as possible. Um, oh, I was going to say something, but now I don't know where I was going with it. Nah, we'll think of it in a minute. But that, I mean, that would be a great way to do a promo with a single camera. It, it, most everyone has some type of a home studio these days. If not, you should have one. They're not hard to do. Um, but yeah, just get in there and do a couple little little deals. Record it and then just lip sync it to it. That's what I did for like Sarah's video for one of her songs. It's like I had a little JBL Bluetooth powered speaker that had her song on it, and I would just press play, and then I'd film her. I was like, just play along with it. You know, you don't have to do anything, and we just. I mean, that's easy to go back and edit these days. Yeah, yeah. and ev- anything can be cleaned up in the edit. Right. That's the magic of But if you've got a good audio signal to start with, that's the bad thing, like, if you record it live, it really kind of sucks. Because you, then you got to get an audio or somebody messes up. Yeah. You know, then you're wasting time. It's like, no, go sit down, record five songs of the chorus, make it a, a minute's worth or whatever, yeah. you know, two minutes max. Two minutes max, yeah. And then just record it, what you want, get it real polished, make it sound really good, and then you go get somebody to film it for you and just blast it through some monitors and some speakers and do it 18 times. And everybody do the same thing every time. So yeah. it's all seamless and it looks great. Yeah. You know, that would be the way I would do like a promo for like a video or anyway. Okay. And then, of course, as photography goes, it's just whatever you want to do to uh, to represent the band. Are you kind of grungy or you this or that? You can get yeah. a look or whatever. And I think if you're going for gigs that pay money, get a look. Yeah. Everybody suck it up. It sucks. If y'all going to wear ties and a white shirt, wear ties and a white shirt. Have 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 somewhat of a gimmick. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I know that y'all did that with the, uh, who was it? Dave over the Golden Nugget wanted y'all to have like a better, cleaner shot or something of than, than the one we took it, wherever that bar was in Ocean Springs when y'all had Katie back in the day. The first one. It was like one of the first band shots I, oh, I can't took even remember now. The one where you put the drumstick between your legs and it was really funny. Oh, that was horrible. But, yeah. you know, y'all used that picture. I saw it everywhere at the Golden Knight for a long time. Yeah. And, and, and Dave was more like, no, I want y'all in like, it's a casino, man. You All matching black or right. whatever. You know, um, I think y'all did like ties or something or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they all came out good. So, I, yeah, like you said, have a look or a theme right. is a great way to go. Because like you said, this is not that hard nowadays. All the phones look good enough to where if you record a little drum video with a phone, it's going to look great. Right. Everybody just about makes, if you don't have an interface or a recording setup, everybody makes something that plugs into the phone that will give you better yeah. audio. Or if you want to take it to the next level, you get the little recording interface. Um, like I said, a, a phone is usually good enough nowadays for a video. And then if you're doing photo, have a theme, have a look, have something that will make you kind of stand out from 
Right. Don't take a picture on the railroad tracks like everybody <laughs> else does. With your blue jeans yeah. and your black shirt. <laughs> I'm hardcore with my guitar. <laughs> oh, whatever. I hate those photos. It's well, like, see, just don't do what you, you hate. You know, that's a great start. You, you know, know what? I think, you know, like, when you're playing, it's the same thing. You know what looks good. Right. You could see it in your mind. You know what looks good. Right. Go after what you think looks good. Right. No. Go after what you think you would hire if you were the guy True. at the corporate casino. Or and, how you want to look. You know, you know, if you you're know going to make $3,500 for your band for the night, well, you got to look like a $3,500 band, not yeah. the band that's been playing in the dive bar making a you know 50 bucks for the whole band or whatever, and they yeah. look like they've all been smoking for 80 years. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's not that that's a bad thing if that's your gig, you know, and you like that bar that you play in. By all means, go for it. But if you're looking to do something to make more money, you know, just polish it up. Yeah. You know, that's what the casinos at least want anyway. Yeah. From what, my experience. I am going to kind of pick your brain about what Mike said. He uses a, uh, a Sony ZV1, which was a big investment for him after using Zoom cameras for years. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's great. And I didn't want to get into lenses and such because honestly, that scares me to jump in on. Is is lenses like a scary endeavor? Is there no, a way to maybe. They're very expensive. That's why I say get. that, yes, they are scary, but not as in what to do or how to right. use it. The camera is not the expensive part. I learned this when, when he started teaching me. The camera's not the expensive part. When you need a 25 millimeter, then you need a 35 to 70 zoom. Right, which is going to give a certain look. You're going to be paying so much money for glass that the camera is going to be the least of your worries, right. the body. That is the least of your worries. When you start getting into glass, how much you have in glass alone for that Nikon? Oh, uh, probably eight, ten grand or something, whatever. And how much was the body? Oh, two, you know. I have a very relatively, the camera you're looking at us right now is a Panasonic mirrorless camera, and it's one of the lesser expensive Panasonic limit, uh, mirrorless cameras. It was 500 and I did buy the big boy, the big right. Lumix, the GH5, but this one actually looks just good enough where I can just use this one now. Right. So that's a $500 body, and I have probably t- above $2,000 in glass right. alone. But that's one of those things. The glass is – they're going to mount – you can always buy an adapter. To a different, you can buy a different camera. Keep your glass. Yeah, Especially always if it's good glass, glass, take care of it and keep it because then that won't change, you know. But the bodies will always change. They'll get better. Blah blah blah. This or that. You know. Yeah. All the. But I can see why Mike would be hesitant. To because like that is it's not. I wouldn't say not that it's scary in not knowing what to get. You could learn that, but it's expensive. It right. really is. Expensive. It does get expensive, but you know if you're starting, you're trying to do multiple things, and you can get like a a multi lens where it'll zoom to different focal lengths. Um, but if not, you know if you can get a prime, which is just it. It's like a 35-millimeter lens. That's all it does. It doesn't zoom. It doesn't do anything. You just focus You are it. the zoom. You right. move forward. You move, you move back. <laughs> you know, you'll get a better lens if you just get a single, you know, typically speaking. And if anybody's out there, and correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, I mean, this is the general rule, um, a 50-millimeter is something that should be in everybody's bag. I think so. That's one of my um, favorite Or for, for me, because I use my I've been thirds, told that a 25. A 50 is, what your eye sees. is closest to kind of what your eye would see. It's yeah. not going to be exactly. So a 50-millimeter in a full-size camera, or for me, I use micro four-thirds. That's a 25-millimeter. Right. That is what or generally what your eye sees, so uh, what they call a nifty 50. You go out and buy an, and a nifty fifty for a Nikon is what a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, nifty fifty a really nice for, one, I think, for like four hundred bucks. Yeah, my nifty fifty or what is a twenty-five millimeter for the mirrorless 
was one hundred twenty-five dollars. Right. And it some of the best pictures I have taken that have the the clearest image were taken with a hundred and twenty-dollar lens, as opposed to the nine hundred-dollar lens y'all are looking at me on right now, which is great, but it's a zoom, so it's made right. for what we're doing here. And like if Mike wanted to, you know, get into that, there's there's a bazillion, you know, YouTube. Oh, yeah. Give some recommendations on some YouTube videos to go watch. And you watch the guys will tell you everything you want to know about whatever model and what lens to get and what it's going to look like and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, you thought drumming was big on YouTube. Camera <laughs> is a whole nother. <laughs> it's not even a rabbit geeks. hole. It's like a black hole right. of camera bodies, camera lenses, editing equipment. Right. I mean, lighting. I, I like mean, this one better. This one's better. This one's better. And it's like, it's like you were saying earlier about drums. It's really hard to buy a bad camera these days. Yeah. Like, no, you really got to buy. You can't make crap. You know. Yeah, I mean, even, look at your phones. Look how good the phones are, and that's the things like this. Um, we were at that gig over the weekend, and Amber has just got the 12 Pro. Oh, and I, she uh, was taken. Uh, where's my? Hand me your. Do you have your phone next to yeah. you? Um, and this is something I'll tell you, and and this is only time this doesn't apply is Instagram because Instagram is shot straight up and down. If you want to make a good video, take your phone and turn it <laughs> to landscape. Do not shoot Instagram style unless you're posting on Instagram. The rest of the time, it should be shot sideways. But she just got the brand new 12, and she kept doing this during the show. And I'm like, that's great. Maybe she's snapping Snapchat. Well, no, but she too. was Instagramming for like oh, okay. stories. And then, but they had also mentioned, like, we need a new promo video. I was like, okay, if you want to help me out and make my job easier, turn your phone sideways, which she did. And then she airdropped me the footage. Probably later. looked great, didn't it? That. That 12 Pro is the closest thing I've seen to a mirrorless or right. a DSLR. Like, it looked so good. So if you have a really good modern phone nowadays... But, I mean, look at that. How much did the phone cost? $1,000 or whatever yeah. it is? You can get a really nice DSLR and a nice lens for under $1,000. Yeah. If you want it just des dedicated. If you want to just have something you throw in your pocket. And yeah, you're which good, I do. That's, that's what I went live with over the weekend was just my iPhone Oh, so you started this channel. Seven. Yeah, it started on a 7. Um, now, I granted, the cool. newer ones look better. and my you, I just don't think you're ever going to, at least up until this point, the camera is the ultimate. The camera is always going to look better because the camera sensor is five to six times bigger than a cell, a cell phone, phone sensor. Um, but those phones are getting really close like that one i saw over the weekend with her 12 pro it looked so good and i and now i'm thinking about because i have held off on getting a new phone just because my my seven works fine but now that i've seen her camera right i'm thinking about a 12 and pro. that's good too to mention about doing like promos for bands or anything like that to have if you've do, done some gigs to have some promo shots where you see the crowd and it's y'all playing yeah not always looking at the band sometimes you want the people that are booking right. you to know this is the kind of crowd we can well, draw. Well, you want to know that it's that band. You don't want just a basic crowd shot. Like, well, is that the band? Or they no, just like uh, the ones they were doing over the weekend, you could right. literally see us. Right, right, But right, right. it's like, so I'll get plenty of shots from the front and like individual shots right. when I put this together, but also be like, hey, look, this is what we can do for you as well. So, and like Derek said, there's I mean, a million videos of rabbit holes you could go right. down and... This all can be learned off the greatest invention ever, which is YouTube. You can learn anything. Right. Um, everything that has brought me to this point, minus drumming, because I, when I was a kid, there was no YouTube. <sighs> Editing, videography, lighting, anything that involves this channel was learned from him, and then I took the ball and just went down a rabbit hole on YouTube with editing or lighting or whatever. 
So, yeah, it, it can all be done from the very platform that you're watching us on right now. <laughs> um, and then, because he goes, um, I was literally doing a small in-studio promo video for a small patio rock trio, and that's great advice for what I want to do. Try to do four angles, and it just didn't have the promo vibe. Oh, okay, do, doing the one camera thing. <clears throat> yeah. Like, just record. Because that's going to be easy, because to sync it later on, you know, if it's you, if you play the same audio track that you've already recorded, and you're going to use that audio track that you've already recorded to be the music track, you just sync everything else to it. Which, if you have like Final Cut, it's it it'll automatically do it for you. Just oh, sync these clips together. Yeah, you know, it's going to get hefty on your computer if you've got, you know, if you pick out your best shot of your drummer, you know, each individual person. If you depending on if you shot it like 1080 or 4K, that could be a little hefty on your computer to sync all those together, and then you've got different clips that you're going to cut in and out. So, but yeah, that to me would be the easiest way to do a promo, and one camera will do it. And then just like this channel, we didn't start with multiple cameras we started with a phone <laughs> you just start small and then right. you build from there that's you, the one thing i appreciate about appreciate about you is you just jumped in and did it which i think is great you were like i remember the first i started a youtube channel or whatever you said on i the don't first know one. i i still love that story because i was y'all can't see it you can see it in Jarrett's shot just off to the right of Jarrett where that floor tom is i was sitting right there and then i don't know why I plugged that little shit because I bought that little sure microphone that plugs into the iPhone. Right. So I could do what I thought was going to be drum covers. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, somebody probably wants to know about this. And then 20 minutes later, I'm going, Hey man, welcome <laughs> to my YouTube channel. I'm just a dude from Mississippi. And here's the sure <laughs> SM, you know, like it was just, and then Derek calls. And then now you're four years later, MacBook pro video switcher, yeah, final cut pro <laughs> multiple lighting. Well, three rooms in my house are, this is what I call Studio B. There's Studio <laughs> A, which you see me doing the talking head portions of the video. There's the workshop where all the building gets like, you know, so yeah, it, it can it can kind of take over. Um, but then you get what you see here. Yeah. I would have not thought, if you were to told me three years ago, you'll be doing a YouTube channel, I'd have been like, nah, whatever. If you'd have told me three years ago, that you'll be doing a live podcast, I'd have been like, no, there's no way. Right. And now we are sitting here live on YouTube. But the thing I think that if you want to do it, I think if you care a little bit about it and you do a little bit of research, yeah, you, you'll go a really long way with it. You know, Or just a little bit of, like you said, a little bit of care goes a mile. Right. Because some guys, you can tell when they post videos, they don't care. They're just doing it because right. they have 100,000 followers. Right. And then you've got guys like Mike Malone or just, let's just say, smaller channels where you can tell that they really do care. And you know what the most common comment I see on their channels, and I've, I've seen it commented to me, is they're like, oh, you deserve way more many followers than you have. Because look at Mike's videos or just, like I said, a smaller channel. They care, right. and they're really trying to tell you something, not just, hey, look at me going off, man. The only guy I know who's done a good job recently with his phone, an iPhone, is the guitar player I follow. His name's Tom Bukovac mm -hmm. um, out of Nashville. He's a studio guy. He, he is, if I had to pick a guitar player that I'd want to be like, he's the guy I'd want to be like. He's an amazing guitar player. Plays for the song every time. Yeah. His solos are super tasty. You know, it, I'm just amazed every time I watch him play. I just, he's, he's a guy who I'm just watching him play. And he's literally sitting in his garage with one of those little little tool 
um, chest things that holds like your screws and nuts or whatever, you know, yeah. little plastic ones. And it's like he's got a little drawer pulled out and his phone sits on it. <laughs> and he sits there and he talks to it and he plays guitar and he's, I think he's like pushing 60. Okay, subscribers, and he started at the beginning of the COVID. Yeah. They were called, like, Corona Lessons or something like that. Yeah. Now it's homeschooling, and he's gotten, like, people to give him donations, and he's got a T-shirt now that somebody's made for him. He's got coffee mugs, and he just did his first live, like, show mm-hmm. at um, a pretty famous bar in, in Nashville, uh, 3rd and Lindsley. Yeah. If you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, um, and, like, the bar owner warned him to come do it, and it's, like, the tunes that he did are, like, stuff that he was just making up on the fly. Off of the the lessons, which I thought was pretty cool. And I love the small. I mean, I love the big creators, but I think a lot of the smaller creators give you so much more mileage because right. they do care. That's why do you think that we're here on a Thursday at eight forty? It's not because That's we're getting paid. Already? Wow. Yeah, we're not getting paid thousands of dollars. We're not making any money. We're here because this is what we like to do. Yeah. Derek didn't have to work all day. Meet the AC guy at his house and then run <laughs> over here. They, I, Jarrett didn't want to drive forty minutes, forty five minutes from your home. Uh, it, it takes a good chunk. I wouldn't say that much. Uh, but it's I, not. It's not around the corner. Just go with it. You no. know, shut up, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, we're not doing this because we're making. Because you're money. not helping your case for walking in <laughs> at like uh, five fifty nine. I know I'm not. <laughs> you're like it really didn't take that long. I was just like had to do this stuff. And but that's that's why we do this because we generally right. enjoy this stuff. So you know, and I hope that a lot of all of you got something out of you know. Number one, he he's knows enough about drums that he can actually form an opinion on the things that we talk about. But then here at the end, kind of giving some of that photography, videography, promo advice, hopefully helped you know some. Yeah, of out. but I mean that's that's how I got into everything. Like yeah, repairing guitars. I was like, oh, I picked up a book. I read about guitars. Yeah, you know, oh, start with my own guitar so I don't mess up anybody else's. And then just uh, tinkered with stuff, and oh, okay, I got it. Same, you know, same thing like how you fun. like build the stuff and build a pad. It's like yeah, just take the time and try it. I yeah. think there's not enough of that because people are too glued to. Yeah, you gotta. Stuff. I think at some point you do have to put it down and go get your hands right dirty. Just give it a try. You know, it's and well, you know, so what, if it doesn't work out, so what? I mean, I didn't think that I'd be. I mean, I always wanted to get a camera and take pictures, and I did that. Heather talked me into it in like 2007 or eight or whatever. She's like. And of course, I took like eight months figuring out. Oh, what camera am I going to get, and what lens, and oh, we're going to spend some money, and and she's like, just buy a daggum camera. Oh my god, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It matters <laughs> that you get it and you use it. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll get this one. That is the number one rule I've learned from YouTube, and YouTubers say it all the time: finished is better than perfect. And right. it's true. Yeah. Like, granted, you want to put out a good product, but that is the the biggest thing I could impart to anybody is done is better than right. perfect. You know, just go do it. But, I mean, I always thought I was going to be a guitar player for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. In a rock band. Or I was banking on Sarah, like, it's just so close so many times. And I got to do some really cool things with her. But so close. But it never made it. And then, like, as it got older, I was, like, working at the music store. I finally got a camera. I picked it up. Oh, this would be kind of cool to do on the side. And, you know, and slowly just took pictures of my friends and all that stuff and kept going. The next thing I know, I'm, like, I feel pretty good about my photography. Applied for a job. I was, like, they liked all my stuff because I did videography and photography. I got a job, and I'm like, I was like, oh, I got now a job here. doing freaking photography. You, you are. And then I got the job, at this, and I was like, whoa, they actually pay me real money at this place to do this. I'm yeah. hanging like, out of a helicopter. Awesome. Look at me. Right? But it all took for me just getting it and taking some care with what I do. That yeah. was the big thing. Like, I cared about what it looked like instead of just like, I know so many people with the camera like, 
click. Oh, there you go. Okay, it'll be five hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like you suck, you know. Yeah. Or be personable with somebody. Yeah. Just but it's care. funny how like it all built. Care. It's like working in the music store is what really started everything because it started me how to talk to people. That was the big thing for me, like because I wouldn't talk to. Anybody. I was super shy. Like, oh, don't talk to anybody. Uh, like I remember the first time I had to walk up and be like, "Hey, how are you doing today? You you like that guitar? Like most awkward thing ever." Yeah. And then finally, after you do it like ten, fifteen times, it's like, "Hey, how you doing? Nothing. What you looking for today? How much money you got?" And then staring into a camera is twice as easy. Right. That yeah. still gets to me because I, I like I want to look at somebody like I, I'm looking at the cube here. You know, it's going like, to pretend it's a person. Like, uh, you know, there. I know, I know yeah. that Spencer and that, Josh and Mark and all those guys. That's still weird to me. right there. I was going to say this earlier. It's so surreal sitting here because I still feel like I'm watching it at home going, oh, it's cool. They got their YouTube. Well, speaking of which, are, does anybody have anything to say uh, while we're sitting here talking? Uh, last thing uh, we've gotten after Mike was some of the promo thing is that. Good old Dakamomo. Love seeing Dakamomo. Love seeing you guys enjoying yourselves. Hey, uh, don't enjoy it too much because you're going to be on here soon enough, buddy. So, and I'm going to. I want to. I do want. Okay, I want to preface this. I do want to apologize for Sunday. I had a little. What? I had a little too much fun. I was being a little mean to Dakota. I don't remember. I was what were you doing? What you do to me? But just giving him a hard time. True. Oh, he's I, don't, I don't remember you writing him that. I can't remember specific, specifically. What did you do? I don't. Without re- cussing. I, I don't remember. It was. It was just something about playing or something. I mean, like like a little like a little, like a low winded jab, just a little huh. You know, just uh, just I don't know. It was, it was mean, and I was when I, when I got you home. Thought I, about it and you felt bad. About yeah, when it. I got home, I was like, I'm like, I'm like Dakota's so sweet. I shouldn't have said that to him. I was like. I did like rough his hair up and be like, you know, I'm messing with you. It's like, but I probably should have actually like gave him a hug. Oh, instead. If you're doing it though, you know that it's, it's in love. It's not, uh, you know, I don't take the time to berate people I could care less about. If I'm mean to you, you know that that means something because otherwise I'd be like, yeah, I don't care. Get out of my face. <laughs> if I'm going to take the time to berate you, it's probably you. You at least mean <laughs> enough that I'm going to take the time out of my day <laughs> to do it. But yeah, uh, you just uh, count your minutes there, Dakamomo, because you're going to be on soon. We need the uh, the point of view of a bass player, which being the closest thing working to a drummer in a band. It's like you're leading up to get the drummer guest. Hey, uh, <laughs> get the guitar we, player out of the way, get the bass player out of the way, and then get well, the and then if in. you're watching Hugh, you're coming in line too, <laughs> Cedric. You're coming in line too, Phil. You're in line. Other a, Phil, you're in line. Cedric ought to have a good story. He's. Uh, he, uh, I've already talked to, to him. We've one. got. We actually have a bunch of good guests for y'all coming up. Drummers, bass players, like Derek, that have like multifaceted opinions on this stuff, from the performer aspect, from being a, on the other side of the camera, that kind of thing. So we have a bunch of good uh, guests coming. Um, you know, and as usual, you know, we we hope that it always gives something. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I hope I hope it was someone. I, I would imagine. Well, I mean, you had good enough opinions on you know, and talking about drums. That's you know, and then sharing what you knew about cameras because everybody doesn't know that, right? Um, you know, I didn't. I guess because I watch so much YouTube of a certain thing, I'm people. Oh, it's just common knowledge. Everybody knows this because because I'm in the process because I was I was torn between doing lessons or doing the whole studio thing, and I I finally like made up my mind. It's like I'm going to do the studio thing it's like yeah he was either going to do really expensive private lessons for a year or sink that couple thousand and do like a video lesson thing or yeah with a a phenomenal uh like 
jazz session guy. Oh, okay. And uh, oh, you were gonna take the lessons. yeah. I was, I was gonna but take he had to pay lessons. like a year in advance. Like it's not month to month. He had to dump out oh, whatever. Yeah. It was like two thousand dollars. Um, it was either that or, like I said, the, the studio yeah. setup or his recording setup. Right. So yes. you're going to go with the recording setup. So, yeah, I've already. I've been well, you know, and if you do that, you could probably do virtual lessons too yourself, like give lessons to people. I, the lesson part behind me is. No. I did it for a little bit and it was just. I tried it too. Uh, but I mostly had younger kids and that was my thing. I, I definitely want to be able to have, like, like my old student, Austin, was. Uh, I think he's 15 now. Cause he can drive. His mom used to drive him up. He was like 14 or whatever, you know. And he soaked everything I said to him like with like a sponge. And he was like, "Okay, this is cool." And then within a year, he went from barely playing a money beat to he's over here thrashing, doing Travis Barker covers. And I got him into math rock, and he's learning how to count in seven. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, "Yes." I mean, that's kind of the way it goes with lessons. The bulk of them are going to be the. They're trying it out, just want to see if they want to do it. And some but of them, the get parents used to make them. Yeah, but then you get the one that's worth doing the lessons for. Yeah. You know, if well, you did virtual, that'd be kind of cool. Like I said, I think it was all fairly helpful from huh. from both perspectives. And, and I know that you had specific questions. Um, does anybody else have anything uh, they want to get out before we? Because we're at running at about uh, two hours <laughs> and 45 minutes. Oh, nice. Which is good. You know, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to We all had a lot of short. house cleaning to do today. Yeah. yeah. Y'all did have to catch up on that. Um, I, I can't think of anything um unless you had any other questions no i mean whenever i do the whole little studio stuff i'll definitely have yeah, some stuff up. i'll ask you and then i'll share that with the lovely folks at home sure uh as that goes through yeah and anything if like, anybody had any camera questions i'm happy this to is pass not the last time you're going to be on here so oh, okay cool just be prepared yeah i'll be back yeah, i was going depth into some more yeah touchy subjects i don't know Hey, that's oh, we I like, like doing that. I know I like getting into we the, the, like, the maybe we'll bring like you the in. street versus maybe the book. We'll bring you oh, I had the, one uh, thing I had to say. There was one episode we were one of the first ones, and y'all started talking about audio interfaces, and I was pretty upset when y'all started talking about audio interfaces. I don't remember what it was, and I remember laying in bed, and Heather was next to me, and she was like, "They don't know what they're talking about. You need to go tell them about audio interfaces." And I was like, "I don't remember what it was now, but it was something I wanted to." Uh, I just remembered I wanted to comment on whatever episode had the audio interface thing in it. What's your favorite audio interface? Uh, I don't know. I've been researching that right now very heavily. I'm thinking I'm either going to go with the Apogee. They make a. I'm looking for a four-channel one because to me, four channels would be perfect. Two kind of sucks because you get like a mic and something else in there. Um, yeah. You mean like four line ins or yeah, uh, four, four actual line ins? Four. Like, okay. Like four like XLR quarter inch combos is what I'd like okay. because then I could do. I'm always thinking of like the Sarah thing. If she came over, I could plug in a, a vocal mic, I could plug in a stereo keyboard and a guitar, and then that would be the max I'd ever need at this point. Because I had 16 before and had the eight on the drum kit, or well, 12 on the drum kit, or whatever, and four for something else. And it was just that was too much. I wanted to condense it down. And because I'm looking at the Scarlet, uh, Focusrite Scarlet. Getting, yeah, it's like Focusrite and um, mine uh, or the, or, or the Universal. Ones. Audio. So expensive. The, the, they're the solid, Apollo. but they're so expensive. Right. Yeah. I mean, but again, you go back to, like, I remember the mic preamp I bought was an Avalon VT737. That thing, I paid uh, $1,999 for it. I sold it on eBay, I think, for 1800 bucks, and I had it for like 10 years. Yeah. Good it stuff. Did not, it easily. did not lose value, and I'm just, I stand by that. And it was, everybody was like, oh, you got a VT737? You know, the studio goes, because every studio I went to had a VT737. I was like, well, I guess I should get that, because <laughs> everyone else has it. And it was nice. It was a nice piece. Now there's a ton of other things you can get, and all the boutique stuff that people do in the studio realm. 
Good That's Lord. That's a whole nother. Good but Lord. I'm I'm still a firm believer in if if you can afford it or you can get a loan and you know you can pay it off or you do the Sweetwater thing where you get it 48 months and it's oh it's only 50 bucks a month yeah. for the next 48 months. It's a long time for a piece of studio gear to pay for four freaking years. But it's worth but, it if it's a good right, piece of gear. But if equipment. you get a good piece of gear and it's going to sound great and it accomplishes the mission, you know, it got me out of a bind. You know, I hated to part with it, but it was like, ah, I wasn't doing studio stuff at the time anyway. So I was like, well, it's got to go. Hey, that was two grand. Yeah. Boom. And I had it for 10 years. And sold it for the same price, almost the same price I bought it for. Now they're almost three grand, I think, if you buy a new one. Yeah. It's like, dang it. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> but I'm working on that. I'm working on a whole, I want. I, like I said, my desk, I think it got held up in Memphis with FedEx, the whole shipping Always. thing. It's seven boxes, and yeah. Ooh. And uh, Lord. I just, I, it's got little rack spaces in it. I'm just like, I'm already like, ooh. Well, we're going to want pictures when it's all set up and, oh, yeah. and done. I'm also looking for a nice little small couch to go in the back of the studio room in case somebody's in there need to sit down you want a ratty oh no you know me it's you want a ratty old red I, couch i'll give you that one no i don't want that one I, I re, <laughs> what i really want is a nice chase a chase, chase lounge, lounge. yes that's what i would like a you know uh a, what a, a mid-century modern chase lounge is what i'd really like for my i hope room. you're watching rachel he just called out mid-century modern that's her favorite uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, she turned me on to the it was Joy Bird or whatever. Yeah, Joy Bird's nice. And I was like, ooh, that's a nice thing. They're expensive. Welcome though. to the Bearded Drums. I do the all, <laughs> modern, <laughs> yeah. the all modern Wayfair thing. You know? Well, I mean, furniture's important, you know. It is, it is, it is. Um, so. Especially if you're doing a studio. If somebody comes over, they got to sit somewhere and sit on the floor or whatever. Very true, very um, true. Um, anybody else in the comments before we get out of here? Um, Dakota said, do you not think the virtual thing would work because most people in that position want to learn? Uh biggest thing i had trouble with is whenever i was doing it was their setup and what they're doing with the internet wise if i had a student because we were having to do live lessons not like record and send so during the live lessons i would have someone with terrible internet and it would drop through zoom and so it would be like slow like skype lessons or whatever like slowed for like 50 percent out here like you know do do job Doing, doing chat, doing, doing, doing chat, and then rubber gotta band. have the right then internet. A, then a rubber band's back, right. and so that that was the only headache was having to work through an hour because all of my students were hour lessons. Um, it was an hour each of each kid, right. and just listening to rubber band back and forth, and then just listening to them having playing. I made them play the money beat. One girl, I felt so bad for twenty minutes straight, and we took a ten minute break. I was like, "You just played for twenty minutes straight, money beat. That's it." She was like, "Why are we doing so?" I was like, "Because your internet was bad, and I was just trying to find." parts in there where it was even so I could definitely like critique and then just watch on top of it. Yeah. It was rough. Um, And then Heather said, I didn't say they didn't know what they were talking about. I said, they just said Derek Fountain would disagree with us. Um, I'm coming for you, Heather. Heather, You see me? I got you right here. I'm coming for you. I know where you live. She said, y'all are talking about using GarageBand or just something out of the box, and Derek said, and Derek would not agree with us. Ha, 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 Oh. <laughs> She's probably, she has a memory like, oh, it's, it's crazy what she remembers. I'm coming for you, Heather. Right. Next time we go out to dinner, like that, you're mine. Now, program-wise, yeah, it, it, uh, I'm thinking about probably I'm going to do the Apple Logic because once you buy it, then you get all the updates. Well, I mean, what I'm thinking I, about doing. I mean, I want to do agree Pro on Tools, that, once but you, now Pro Tools is a subscription, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to get in all that. I just like once you get into Apple products, they all kind of seamlessly work together. So I admit, like, I mean, I am an Apple right. fanboy only because right. I, Rachel makes fun of me all the time. But they work. The phone works with the iPad, works with the laptop. 
Right. Well, when the program's designed to work with specific hardware, it just makes life sometimes a little easier. Yeah. Versus, you know, maybe this memory card doesn't work with this, uh, you know, CPU or GPU or whatever. Uh, He had that problem. He wanted the new Mac with the with the Mac processor, and they were having problems with something not working with it. The The problem with that is nobody was updating their programs yet. Yeah. That's what I was waiting for. Um, and then Focusrite. Has has a new updated thing, and so they have all the software and firmware but, ready for it. So all you have to do is just. But audio, I don't think you have to worry about if you're doing audio. Like, uh, well, the issue it, they're having was the the chips weren't reading. Oh, okay. And, and so it was basically it would say, "Oh, hi, yes, your audio interface is here, but we're not going to do anything with it." Right. Like if you had anything plugged into it, it would just uh, wouldn't register. It would right. say it was connected. But well, not, nothing guess, would record. I guess I was going to say, if, even if you had an older computer, recording audio is not that... Uh, it's never become that... It's never been that intensive mm-hmm. on your, your computer, unless you're doing a lot. Like, when I, when I was doing 16 tracks, I had an old 17-inch Mac PowerBook G4, whatever they were, and I had, you know, my little Motu. I did Mark of the Unicorn stuff back then, which I just... I picked it, and I liked it, and I went with it, and almost all the recording programs are the same. Once you learn one, you know, you can kind of navigate your way through another one. Yeah. <laughs> but anything else before we get I'm starving. That's it. Oh, I'm okay. Starving. Oh yeah, That's I'll eat with you. I well, I, I do have to say, I do really appreciate y'all inviting me on the show. This well, we're, a like, lot of fun. You are Thank you for the You kind are words. the OG for this channel, so <laughs> you were the natural choice to bring on. Any knowledge that I have past drumming is imparted from you. Which is all that crap that I've dumped on him over the you know the couple of years that I've yeah. known him. So you know you were the natural choice. This is not the last time you will be on. Hey, here okay, because cool. you have plenty more to say, and I yeah. hope that Why all you of come you up with tough questions next time. Like hit me hard. Okay, all right. And if my memory works, you know, you start talking about old stuff a long time ago. I'm like, ooh, yeah, we are getting old. But I hope that all of y'all got something out of it. I hope y'all enjoyed it as usual. Um, you know, and remember, as always, uh, like I said, Spencer, I. I believe that's what you sent me, so I'm pretty sure I got the proper thing on for the viewer stuff. But if you have anything you want to show us, uh, always send it to beardeddrums at gmail.com. And remember, as always, you can see us every Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, time. live here on YouTube. (laughs) But you can also find the audio-only version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify. Simply search Bearded Bearded Drums. Drums. So every week, uh, you know, unless something happens, we I, should be here. I do at find it time. funny that all three of us have a beard and have glasses. I mean, that's right. That's the way it's supposed to be. Everybody needs to be growing beards. And Maybe you should get show. like some clear glasses. If they don't wear glasses, do they wear them for the show? <laughs> I'll just give them just some, just some <laughs> rims. Or, with the, with or the have like one of those down. fake beards with the hooks. <laughs> you go. have to wear this if you're <laughs> on the show. Cedric has a beard. Um, Dakota. Dakota has a beard. Hugh doesn't have a beard. And Phil doesn't have a beard. Um, uh, so you we'll, get to pass. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> Hugh, you're, you're, you're coming Hugh's, next. Uh, all about <laughs> down you're not worthy. It's a, that's a three-part series. Easy. And you know, I'd like to do an interview with Hugh just on his art. Well, we're gonna, that's, we thought we were not going down that rabbit hole. We're, okay. He's going to be broken up into several different okay. types yeah. of appearances. Yeah. So those are we all coming. We need to s- get as much knowledge as we can out of Hugh. Very that's true. how I feel about it. And I want to get him on film. That's why, right. you know, so... So like I said, send in your pictures if you want to get something, um, video or pictures, if you want to get something featured here on the show. Thank you to everybody that sent in everything this week. And remember, you can find us for the audio-only versions. So 
With that being said, thank you everybody for joining this week. We will, Jared, are we on for regular time? Yeah, next we are week? regular for time. We are on for regular time next week, six, 6 p.m. O'clock. Central Standard Time here at the regular channel. Be on time. <laughs> That's six, not five fifty nine pushing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everybody, and we will see you on, on the, next the next one. That's right. <laughs>